Yep, we're good now. We are good. You can hear both of us. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself uh, by chance to anybody who doesn't know who you are? I am Larry Sharp. I ran for governor of New York in 2018. And um, if you are interested, please feel free to Google Larry Sharp at Sharp with an E. Uh, you'll find me everywhere. And I also uh, run the Sharpway Show, which is my nightly podcast at 7 p.m. Yeah, I almost bought a mug yesterday. Just there we go. Uh, and for anybody uh, over on your side doesn't know me, I, my name is Dylan Burns. I'm currently a political consultant for 21st Century Democrats, uh, pol- uh, uh, like uh, political back. I am on the local environmental board in my city. I also ran uh, mayor of College Park, Patrick Wohan's campaign. I worked on the Mike Ravel campaign and was a foreign policy advisor to uh, Senator Jill Carter and um, Michaela Wilkes. Uh, Senator Jill Carter ran to place uh, the late great Elijah Cummings seat. Um, besides that, I do a lot of Twitch and YouTube stuff. Uh, I, uh, I yell it on the internet and people seem to pay attention for some reason. I like why. that. That's a good deal. I want to do that. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so I, I was, uh, I, I, uh, I, you know, traveled in the space and I saw you were interacting with destiny yep. and, um, I was really interested in engaging with you because, um, I can see you care about this stuff a lot and I, I do. just have some passionate like disagreements with you. Um, there's a lot of stuff I agree with you on immigration, the drug war, stuff like that. Yep. Um, similarly, similarly, I like a lot of stuff like Mike Ravel made of agree, agree with you on. But sure. when it comes to a lot of um, your foreign policy takes, um, I'll just be like uh, the way I've always seen interventionism is I see it as like a, a type of like medicine. If somebody okay. has like, um, you know, like a cough, you don't give them the cure for like uh, like a like a broken ankle. You don't sure. fix their ankle. That's pointless. Yep. Uh, I see it as something that should be applied in, only, in specific situations. In other situations, it's not applicable. A great example is I think the 2003 invasion of Iraq was a complete disaster that mm-hmm. destabilized the country further. And I was um, somebody who believed in the policy of dual containment, which is something that neocons hate me when I say that uh, out loud. But um, And there's other uh, conflicts that I disagreed with. And there's some I did agree with. For example, um, involvement in World War II. Um, uh, Korea, I believe there's certain different things we could have done that could have avoided the war altogether, but it would have technically been interventionist in nature. And um, I also uh, support Operation Inherent Resolve. And I know you were asking Destiny for a modern uh, thing that we're doing that support, and I have one for you. It is Operation Inherent Resolve in Syria. So um, I think maybe starting at the first, like in the uh, World War II would make the most sense. We just kind of like we travel through time. You know, we go on a journey together. Sure. I love it. I am open. Um, Destiny wanted to j- talk about different things. I just agreed. I walked down any road. I don't really mind at all. I'm happy Wonderful. to do it. Um, Wonderful. You're wandering. I guess where I'll the, – the place where I guess I'll go, many of the, the people in the chat were hammering me on foreign policy, particularly post-World War II and even pre-World War II policy. Do you want to start Korea? Is that what you're talking about? Do you want to go there? Um, I was going to start uh, World War II, but if you want okay. to do Korea, no, no. I'm fine start with that World War II. What, what do you uh, do? You think? Do you think that we, the interventionism there, was good or bad? I'm not sure where your where your head is on World my, War II. My but position what is part that, of what that I was, said was not good. Um, I would I would believe I, I disagree with a lot of your uh, stuff when it came to Asia and how Japan yeah. and our relationship with Japan. Uh, personally, I would have supported the embargoes on Japan. And I think the reason why is that I see inter- interactions between nations not only as like the nation states governments interacting, but also inter- economies interacting. Sure. And I personally believe that American coin, American dollar, American financed resources should not go off to support 
uh, terrible offensive campaigns that lead to terrible human rights abuses. The, the idea for me that American coin could have, or American oil, could have contributed to things like the rape of Nanking, Mm-hmm. Or the invasion of at the time it was French Indochina, today it would be Vietnam, sure. or um, uh, any any larger invasion of China is something that that is scary for me. And as somebody who believes in a representative democracy, I believe Americans elect representatives um, who uh, will look at the facts of these situations and and choose uh, policies that align with American values. And I don't think okay. supporting these with American oil and resources align with American values. So I w- I would ask you a a question that's kind of similar. What if it was, say, 1936, the Japanese are fighting in China and there are Americans who are maybe of Japanese descent or maybe not, but assuming of Japanese descent, but they're American citizens who say, we want to go over and fight for the Japanese because we believe that they are right and we're supporting my family members over there. Do you think the American government should physically stop those people from doing that? Or should they be like, yo, if you want to go, good luck, go. I come back um, alive. What do you so, think? Of, should the government step in in that case? I believe in certain instances like that, I would I would say yes. Um, a, a great example of this for me is I believe that while it's difficult, of course, for a government to say which war is moral and which war sure. is immoral, but yeah. I do believe governments have to do that to some extent. For example, the idea that we could have an unrestrained, um, like if somebody says, hey, I'm going to go join ISIS, I'm going to mm-hmm. go join ISIS and do that. And yep. uh, the idea that this is a immoral war in comparison to this, like, if we say that the government can't decide that it is uh, immoral for somebody to go fight over to Japan, we'd have to apply that same logic to organizations Absolutely. like ISIS and other things. And Absolutely. ISIS is an army of slavers. We all saw what they did to Yazidi girls, how they would 100%. execute their husbands and slave their yep. men, um, the executions of homosexuals, stuff like that. Um, so so I, clear, I personally would be perfectly clear restricting people. Yes, like so in that way. Sh- yes. So the government should physically say you cannot. If I were, if I was 1936 of Japanese descent and I say, hey – I want to go fight for Japan, then they should physically stop me and maybe imprison me. If I decide that I want to go anyway, they should imprison me. Yeah, I believe I believe that the government, like at the end of the day, if laws are ultimately like the government enacting force upon you, every single law is a thing that's saying like, hey, if you don't do this, then eventually there's a penalty. Like at first it might gotcha. be a fine. Second, yep. it might be like a cop knocks your door. Eventually, if you continue to try to go, then eventually it would be imprisonment. Yes. Put them in prison. Okay. Um, if, if that, in my view is a that that is a consistent view which most people don't have so i'm glad you have that view it's consistent i think it's morally wrong i think that you don't have no government has a right to tell me that i can't go and fight for somebody that i want to fight i think in fact if i think that japan is more important than america if i believe that to be true then america should be happy and say go good fight for japan you think they're more important go and i think in world war one you saw many americans fight for the british um, you saw many Americans fight for the Germans in World War One. You saw many Americans leave and fight for the Germans in World War Two and the British in World War Two before we entered the war. So it was very common for Americans to decide individually that I think one side is correct or not. And I'm prepared to sacrifice my life if need be so- and on my money or coin. How about all of the people, all the Irish people in America who sent thousands upon thousands of dollars to Ireland. The Irish Republican Army. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thousands yep. thousands of dollars. So, and so, so in I my view, to, uh, hold on. Mm-hmm. In my view, I would say all of that is totally moral. It's your money, your life. You can do so. With that in mind, that's just morally. Now, let me go, I think, the results. If you look at the results of what happened with the embargoes against Japan, that increased the odds of them bombing us. It doesn't mean they wouldn't have bombed us. They might have. 
But without question, the odds increased. If you ask anyone who's done any history, studied about this, our embargoes in 19, what, 38, I think we started an embargo in Japanese, something like that. 37, 39 was what the years that it started to really kick in. There we go. So 38, 39, I'm sorry, my history isn't perfect, but I know it was in that area. We began to embargo them horribly. And they had, they something, something like 90% of all their scrap metal came from us or, or some, I'm, I'm making the number up. It was a big number. Whatever that number was, a huge number that came that came from us. A bunch of oil came from our areas, all these things. So what were they to do? The Japanese were trying to trade. They were trying to trade. We said no, because we're on a moral high horse. What, what if we just said, go ahead and trade, man, do your thing. They might not have bombed us. They might have bombed us, but, but the odds would have gone down. So what our embargo did was simply put us on a faster path to war. Embargo meant that now you are going to have to have 7,000 dead Marines on Iwo Jima or Okinawa or insert place here, hundreds of thousands of dead Japanese civilians, so many dead people and death and destruction that I'm not okay with. So I okay. would say we should not have embargoed Japan at all, and, and we shouldn't have stopped people who wanted to go fight. It's your life and your money. So the first thing I would say is, so I bit the bullet when it came to, yes, that would be imprisonment. So mm -hmm. that would mean you would have to bit the, bite the bullet when it comes to, yes, if they wanted to go and join the Nazi regime and operate death camps, they would, we would do that. That means that we would Americans, allow them to, we yes. would allow them. We would allow them. You'd be like, yes, we are freely allowing these people to go there to continue the execution of homosexuals, of Jews, of, uh, of, uh, political dissidents, all of this. Uh, the same would be for ISIS as well as they go on enslaving campaigns and murder of that. So if I had to bite the bullet for imprisonment, you would also have to bite the bill for, I'm, bullet I'm for that. I'm biting down hard. And I'm not even bite, you're biting the all. bullet. I'm Bull, not biting bullet, bullet as bullet as combusted. 100%. And for me, I care about what gives the best outcomes for the most people. That's mm -hmm. something that I care about deeply. And allowing funnels of 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 uh, travel because that's how these organizations work if you're able to freely recruit from a country uh these organizations these countries or these forces will usually make as many routes possible to it if you see how isis sure. was able to import 20 to 25 to 30,000 foreign fighters who were the most dedicated and usually most war i guess i don't know what the word for it but most barbaric fighters you could have it was because they set this up because uh, countries were not prepared to really block them off and that was a vital asset that helped drag out the war tremendously further than it needed to drag out to. If you look at the, the campaign against ISIS in northeastern Syria and the, uh, the siege of Raqqa, the siege of any of these major cities, the last fighters were always the ones from France, the United States, the Netherlands. The, the Syrians were the, yes. usually the first to surrender in comparison. I'm agreeing so with we're you. Talking, yes, I'm I'm agreeing, you're agreeing with me. You're letting me, uh, yeah, I'm building my premise here. So what I, so here, I am perfectly willing to restrict the freedom in the sense if it means that we're able to shorten these conflicts for barbaric forces like the Nazi regime, ISIS, or in this example, the the Empire of Japan and the Asia Coast Prosperity Fear, which was a uh, neo, which was a colonial imperialistic relationship with Asia, yep. did not uh, perpetuate things like the rape of Nanking. I am perfectly willing to bite the bullet on that. You're willing to bite the bullet on that. That's but, just a, a, a philosophical answer, disagreement. Though. No, 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 I have another answer here. It's not philosophical. What makes young men, and it's almost always young men, there's minor exceptions, but it's almost huh? always young men, pack up and go fight in ISIS or pack up and go fight against the Nazis or go fight uh, for the Nazis or whatever the case may be. What makes young men do that? This is young um, men struggling for purpose. That's what it is. If they had purpose here, they wouldn't go there. The problem is if you want to make a better culture here, they don't pack up and leave. 
The people who left were people who were here, like many of them, not all, but many of them were people who either found Islam or were Muslim and felt persecuted or felt attacked or felt America was evil or saw America bombing their people. If we weren't bombing people in that area, there'd be very few Americans going over there. If we weren't over there, first in Saudi Arabia in the 90s was the big one. That was the biggest one. But from there, if we weren't there, Americans wouldn't have been rushing over there. If they had more purpose here, they wouldn't be rushing over there. Look at the people who were fighting over there. The individual kids, I, I call them, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say, the individual young men who were throwing their lives away over there because they didn't have anything here. The thing is, that's not, while it is true that economic mm-hmm. prosperity decreases radicalization. I didn't say um, economic prosperity, I said well, purpose. Economic or purpose or whatever you want to say. Um, saying that it's the government's the government's job to give pur- or like the economy would give purpose or whatever would give them purpose. There's going to be a certain amount of people who find yep. their purpose through these radical ideas, 100%. right? Yep. And they're going to try to act upon these ideas, whether it be with ISIS, Al Qaeda, the Nazis, the uh, Empire of Japan, um, yep. any of these things. They're going to try to act upon these ideas. Sure. And just because um, they're trying to seek this purpose, I, I think that if this purpose that they're seeking ends up hurting much more people than if they did not seek this purpose and they seek another purpose, then uh, we need to stop them from traveling. Now, if we should provide other purposes, but if they decide, like, hey, I am rejecting the American way. Like Fritz von Erich, you talked about the German-American Bund, which um, was really interesting. A lot of people don't know about the German-American Bund mm-hmm. and how and, – and that – that was an organization that was like in, in many ways dedicated to spreading Nazi and fascist ideology 100%. in the United States of America. They had tr- they had these summer training camps and all of this other stuff. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, even though I would probably disagree with you on like when they lost their influence. You said it was the 1940s. I would say it was 1939 when Fritz von Erich was arrested. Um, the thing is, I I agree with you. But we can do our best to give them the purpose. There's still going to be those radicals who want to go over there. We can't stop Agreed. everyone. We can't stop everyone from disagreeing Prohibition with us. Prohibition we we never can't. works, ever. Prohibition never works. If those Restric- kids are upset and you say, I'm going to restrict them, here's what actually happens. This is reality, what happens. And we've done it. You take the kid and you go, you can't go over there. We're going to put you in prison. So he goes to jail. And what does he become? More radical. No purpose. He gets in bed with the people who are already radical. And if he ever gets out, he's just going to be more radical. He can't get a job now. You've just made his life even worse. It didn't help anything. De-radicalization programs are extremely complicated. But the thing is, if they were at the point, if they were at the point already that they were willing to go to ISIS to fight and die, then – it isn't a thing of, well, now they're going to be more radical. They have already almost reached the pink of you as, as radical you can get. So it's not a question of, well, now they're going to be more radical. It's a question of containing them to stop them from harming people because that okay. was their intention. When has containment worked? What, you mean like containing people? Like I would say like Charles Manson. I mean he has not murdered anybody in a very long period of yeah, time. But, but there's still cults. There's still cults, still yes, him. but if we didn't arrest cults, we didn't arrest terrorists, there'd be more terror attacks, it, like, uh, obviously. If we, if so, we, if every, so if every time clear, we saw... Your yes. answer is, every dissident will just arrest. Every terrorist will arrest. I'm talking and about people who are going off to foreign countries to go fight and die for terrorist causes or to okay. go perpetuate genocide. And let me tell you what actually happens. Once you say that, the FBI literally starts making up terrorist attacks literally starts making things up to pull these people out to draw them out 
That's what's actually happening. They create things. You create a police state that now arrests people for thought crimes. That's well, happening clear, now. I don't thought need to crimes agree. Are happening now. Let, let's be clear. I don't need to agree with all of the tactics that the FBI or anything uses to agree that we shouldn't allow terrorists to go to foreign countries to fight and die for those causes. We can. There's a few ways you can do it. You can do busts on the routes to go to these organizations. For example, there's a lot of WeChat organizations. There's like I think it's not sure. those WeChat, but there's a lot of these like chat groups that will we send infiltrators. They go in, they figure sure. out who are the people who are intending to go, then we bust them. That's not entrapping people or leading them down the radicalization pipeline. That is going actively and busting these places up. I don't need to agree with all of the tactics the FBI uses to say that we should stop terrorists from going off to foreign countries and fighting and dying with ISIS. Hold on. You've just said you've just said you care about what provides the best value, the long run yes. what's happening in the best value. I agree with that. That makes sense, right? But we've been trying to stop people from fighting in, in Syria for many years. What's it, 10 years now, give or take? Am I about right with that? It's the Syrian war has been about 10 years? Um, Officially about 10 years, yeah. There we go. So about 10 years. So uh, has all of a sudden it stopped? Have we done, Has it worked? Syria is still terrible. It's still destroyed. Well, of course, but it's it could have gotten much worse. It could have gotten much worse. Saying, or, or, or maybe if we had just left them alone, you're saying it could have been worse. And I'm saying just as logically, it could not have been worse. We could have just let them do what they wanted to do and fight it, as they wanted to fight. And maybe Assad would still be in charge as he is now. And maybe not. I don't. We don't know that. But why would I assume... Why would I assume that attacking and, and making this thing last 10 years longer is the best outcome? I just I can't imagine us thinking that 10 years of civil war in Syria. Now it's what, 20 or 17 years in Iraq, 20 years in Afghanistan, that these are somehow good things. If that's well, the best we can do. Oh, my God. Well, I'm specifically talking about like ISIS here. I'm not talking about uh, the Mujahideen or uh, Al Qaeda or specifically like the Taliban. I'm specifically right, so talking about like Syria. But when when we specifically look at this situation, I don't think it is a illogical jump to say, for example, let's say uh, uh, somebody was a a drug addict and they were trying to build a drug cartel, and I gave them okay. a bunch of money. It isn't illogical to say that the odds of them now building a drug cartel has, has increased, right? I would agree. So. I think the idea, the logical conclusion that if we give a unrestrained route of travel for terrorists, foreign fighters to go from the United States to Syria to fight for ISIS, to make give them more fighters of the most radical and barbaric quality, that they will increase the lifespan, lifespan of ISIS and increase their barbarity. I don't think oh. that's an illogical jump. Or you could just make drugs legal and then there's no need for a cartel. So make terrorism legal? You could just you could leave them alone and make what they're doing no longer bad. Do what you want to do. So once once we're not there bombing them, once we're not bombing them, once we're away, and this is a long look. We have we this is a long term solution. This isn't a five minute solution, right? It's a long term solution. We have now we have poisoned the well in the Middle East for the past at least two decades, if not four decades, but at least two for sure that we've poisoned the well there. So we. Us moving, if we all of a sudden tomorrow, and I'm not advocating with this, I'm just okay. saying to go to an extreme, if we were to it's completely pull out, just yep. walk away tomorrow, it would mm -hmm. still take at least five years, if not 20, before they began to trust us again at all and to not blame us for all their problems. When we begin to embargo Wait, I, and punish quick, people. Quick, quick comment quick, on that. When quick. you say they begin to trust us, 
certain parties would begin to trust us. Other parties would completely distrust us because they would see it as a backstab that we were there to support them. And many, like, for example, the Kurds in northeastern Syria, they had an option between the Iranian government when Qassam Soleimani went and made an offer to them and the Americans. And they were like, you know what? We're going to trust the Americans. And then Donald J. Trump uh, did something that could easily be called a betrayal of the most classic sense. H.W. Bush did it for them in the 90s. Yeah, W. Bush did it with the Nazi, but there was also Operation Provide Comfort, which should be noted. That was a follow-up. There wasn't that for Trump. Trump did not even attempt an Operation Provide Comfort. It was a it was a backstab, and then a, I don't really care. And then he even said in private meetings, like, I don't like the Kurds. Like, it was like, it almost come from a, like a personal distaste. The man is not my personal cup of tea when it comes to foreign policy. So when, when you say an immediate withdrawal would, like, it would take five to 20 years for them to all, like, trust us again. Sure. Many of us would distrust us for that immediate withdrawal, seeing it as a backstab. A hundred percent. Yes. But that happened in Vietnam, too. And I bring up Vietnam all the time. We literally yeah. just walked away from Vietnam. 20 years later, we're trading partners. And we dropped yes. more bombs on Vietnam than we dropped on Japan and Germany combined. Every this was an argument you made with, with Korea. Uh, yes. With a conversation with Destiny. And I, I, I object with the comparison between Korea and Vietnam. And the reason I'm t- why... Right now I'm talking Syria and yeah, the Middle East. Well, and I would reject this comparison as well. Because okay. when we talk about Vietnam, it is in a situation that breeds wanting to trade with the United States and be a geopolitical partner with the United States. And that has to do with its proximity to China and the invasion post our withdrawal. Because if we withdraw and then it has a neighbor, which historically has been its enemy, China and Vietnam has a long history of conflict, rebellion in the in the Indochina region because China has many times seen it as their territory, and that's why the British skirmish happened. It's also to do with Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot, etc. So that immediately flicked off, and so as much as it might have disdain for the United States post that, it probably had more disdain for its immediate enemy. It's it's going forward because going forward, it had no reason to conflict with the United States. It had many reasons to conflict with China. And that's why today with the South China Sea issue, Vietnam tends to lean more with us because they see China as once again, possibly being a strategic threat. And then so let's, I think let's that, that, isn't straight to, that, that is not the same thing when it comes to isn't Korea. That Syria? Korea's, yeah, when it comes to, oh yeah, sorry. When it comes to Syria, isn't I don't think this- Syria? So you're saying that the parallel history is that if we withdraw from Syria, then they, they will have larger have no geopolitical fight us. They'll be they'll be more worried about Turkey and Russia, just like Vietnam worried about China. Wait, they they'd won't be worried worry about, about us. Okay, they would not be worried about Russia because Russia supports them. Uh, Turkey. No, is, but there'd be influence, right? There'd be influence would be Russian influence and a Turkish influence. Turkish, be Turkish probably influence more negative than positive. One would assume, um, right? But. But either way, their but, influences but are going to be the there. Thing is, not I ours. just don't think you can apply that Vietnam situation to all the countries across the Middle East that we'd be withdrawing. I don't think the history is the same. I think it's all just very specific. That's why, for example, I I support withdrawal from Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. it's something that's got me heat. I, I'm very specific about the withdrawal should be contingent upon making it making sure the retrograde is smooth and making sure that we do our best to support the ANA with, with technical support and other stuff, which I'm sure we would disagree on, but we don't need to get into that. And that's because I believe that situation and the history of Afghanistan is starchly different from the history of northeastern Syria and Operation Inherent Resolve, which has been a drastic success in combating ISIS, has been a drastic success 
in stabilizing Northeastern Syria and has been a drastic success when it comes to improving, improving the standard of living. It was the withdrawal that Trump attempted from Northeastern Syria that increased ISIS operations, increased mm -hmm. ISIS activity, decreased anti-operations by 75%, according to the Rojava Information Center. And so I don't think the Vietnam model is something you can apply to all these situations. So then tell me the model that does work, that we go in, we do a half-ass uh, support, not support, we we lose thousands of American troops or we bomb people or we drone them or whatever is the, the, the garbage wars that we've been doing since World War II. You pick the way we want to do it. What model works that when we leave, it's better than when we when we entered? So far, zero. So, so well, far, zero. Please show I, me well, one that's worked. I, 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 just, I just said one I thought that worked, but I would like to no, say no, that. No, that was, wait, a, that was about well, seven years of us physically being there. And the second we left, now it's worse. Well, so that that's doesn't because, work because that it was working. The thing is, it wasn't a. The thing is, when when you talk about withdrawals from countries, it isn't a thing where you just pull a plug. It is a it is a slow, organized process. Retrograde. There's whole strategies on how retrograde is supposed to work, and retrograde well, isn't. We don't seem to do it. Retrograde. Do we? Retrograde isn't a tweet in the middle of the night. So the, if you're saying that it was done incorrectly, I agree with you. I can you know, do the Obama thing you do. I, I agree with you. Did the, so, you're, you're, Obama didn't. No, Obama on. did not do it. Obama's operation never was a success. If, if, we, if our leaders would just do stuff the cool way that I say so, then everything would be awesome. They never yes, do. that's what you're saying. That's what you're no, saying. No, <laughs> I'm saying they never do. I'm admitting 100% that our leaders are flawed, that humans are flawed, that politics are flawed, that we're just, when we, whenever we get in, with all our good feelings and emotions, what it actually means is a whole bunch of dead soldiers and Marines. That's what it means. And literally hundreds of thousands of dead civilians and a nation that is more broken when we left than when we got there. That's what actually happens every time. Your theory is wonderful. My theories are not theories of perfection. I don't believe in perfection. My theories are it would be better if we just left it alone. It would be better. It would still suck. There would still be bad things. People would still go to war. I wish so they wouldn't. Are, are you are you seeding that if are you seeding that if it was done the way that I wanted that it would have been better? No, I still think no. So you don't I, think though. So let's I, let's argue against that proposal then. Then if they didn't I, I, follow I, my plan, because I'm I arguing for them to follow my plan. I can't because the thing is, I can't defend the idea of well, if they do it the wrong way, then what then? Well, I'm not advocating for them to do it the wrong but way. But they because, always for example, do it the wrong example, way. That's why let I me don't ask you that get way. Involved. And then what if I said to you, well, we can't do any withdrawal because then we would do it the Trump way every time, and then it would be even worse disaster because you just said you opened up with the statement. Yep. I am not advocating for this, but hypothetically, right? Yep. And so what if I just countered like, okay, then all of the withdrawals, what you have to answer for every single withdrawal being immediately tomorrow, everyone leaves and flees, which would cause massive chaos. Yep. There's why there's whole strategies around retrograde. I would not make you answer for that. That'd be unfair. No, but I would go the opposite. If you were to tell me, Larry, I want to never leave Afghanistan. I want to put a quarter of, of a million Marines and soldiers in Afghanistan and never leave ever. That's basically going to be a colony. I'm going to put a soldier in every corner until Afghanistan is the way I want it through brute force until eventually we'll do as we say when we say. While I would hate that, at least that would make sense. I mean, it's a terrible idea, but okay, you're saying you are going to use brute force for, I don't care, 50 years, 100 years until they do exactly as we say. We will browbeat them until they do as we say. Okay, so, that does make sense. But so I can tell you exactly. Idea. I can tell you the model that you're taught that you were asked this magical model that 
I could I, I might possibly not have because you say I don't think I have it. The model in Northeastern Syria, the reason why it worked is because it had to, it relied on working with local actors, the locals, mm-hmm. right, which is extremely important for any of these operations, not just us coming in, Blair, like not caring about local traditions or anything else. It was a multi uh, – the SDF is actually – a lot of people think it's Kurdish-dominated. The majority of the SDF is actually Arab. 60% of it's Arab. The, the Kurds get the big, like, attention because that's a Kobane and the turning of that battle. So it being of the actual area that it's it's made of, um, the air support that we provided was extremely useful to their operation. So supplementing them where they don't have the skills because they don't have an air force. And after that, the leverage that is produced to them and the stability that was produced. The stability in northeastern Syria where they were able to actually contain ISIS fighters. Unlike, I mean, Bashar al-Assad literally released terrorists in 2011, 2012 to cause splinters in the FSA. That's not at all like what Bashar al-Assad was doing. This is what made it a success. The thing that we needed to follow up upon was, was making sure that once we started to do a retrograde withdrawal, uh, once we did that, we wanted to make sure we used our leverage to find a negotiation between the SDF and the Bashar al-Assad government to actually have something similar to the KRG in Iraq mm-hmm. and trying to preserve their independence from, of course, Turkey, who is a NATO ally, which we do have significant negotiating power with, considering we're both in the same military alliance. There's yeah, my they're proposal. Ba- they're, they're basically fighting us. The Turks are basically fighting us right now. They're not basically fighting us. They can't. They won't. They would never fight us directly. They, they would never it's do a proxy that. War. It's a of course, war. it would be a. Pro- yes. Well, it would be, but we're not. We're not doing it. We're not backing them in that way anymore. The pullout is what screwed that up. There's one important distinction here, which I would be open conceptually to this in one specific distinction. Two things would have to happen with one of these. One, they would have to want us there, and the Kurds actually do. Yes. I, in, in almost every one of these other conflicts, the people don't actually want us there. We've yes, decided yes, that we're going there, right? The Kurds actually do want us there. In a lot of other areas, the people don't actually, they didn't ask us to show up. They didn't ask us to come in, right? The Kurds kind of did. So, I mean, at least that's something. I would buy that. I'm not, to be forward, I know that America can never be completely non-interventionist. I get that. I'm, I'm not living in a fantasy world. I think we should err on the side of non-interventionism in almost every case, with a couple of exceptions. One, when the when they're literally asking us, number one. And two, when Congress does not do an AUMF, which is garbage, when Congress actually declares war and there is a clear enemy and a clear victory. Because if we don't do that and we do this authorization use of military force garbage you always do, that just means literally tens of thousands of dead Americans on useless wars and hundreds of thousands of dead civilians useless wars. You have a group of people who want us there and a declaration of war, I'm far more open to intervention. But that almost never happens. Can I ask you a question then? So one of your one of your things that seemed important to you was the people want you there. You don't impose yes. yourself there. That Absolutely. is that is of course separate from if you were invaded, then it's kind of it's self-defense. That would be different. Correct. But so here's a great thing. This is recent news, so it's recent all of our memory. Uh, we also the coup in Myanmar. Uh, yep. The coup in Myanmar, the, the military junta that took back power, uh, abolished the, the, the gains of democracy, Aung San Suu Kyi, thrown out of power, arrested. She's she's known a prison cell for most of her life, so I don't yep. think this is like a different well, no, situation no, no. She, for was, her. she was house arrest for a lot, not a prison cell. Out, that is true, house arrest. She was house arrest. Cell. She was not in a prison cell. Yep, that is true. Um, well, then when your own home becomes a prison, right? Yes, the that's thing, true. The, yes. The thing is, um, the people there... It's very strange to say, but they were actively requesting sanctions. 
if you look at what they were requesting, they were requesting sanctions on military companies, not on food, not on resources, because they don't want to starve. Mm-hmm. They were specifically military companies. They wanted people to stop doing business because there's like military sodas. The military is, a, is an economic institution. Sure. They make profit to fund it. And of course, Biden then responded by saying, okay, the people want it. This was a violation of this some agreement we signed before where they were saying they were going towards democracy. There's all this stuff. We're now going to place sanctions on military companies. We're not going to do business with these military companies because that is us directly funding what the people don't want and the people are requesting. Would you be in favor of something like that? No, of course not. Because you know what actually happens again? Theory great. Here's what actually happens. The military says, oh, you're going to do that? So we're just going to rape our people and take their stuff. That's what actually happens. Every single time we put sanctions on a country, the, it, the, the, the resistance, the people resisting are hurt more. The black market is increased. People, the poor are punished. And almost always, the worst people punished almost always are poor women. Poor women are punished more than anything. It makes countries look inward. It will make the military become defensive and they will seek things like chemical weapons. They will, they will look for weapons of mass destruction. That's a common thing. We decide to start embargoing and sanctioning people. They look for weapons of mass destruction because they look inward every single time. Now, can you find maybe one or two things that maybe work over the course of 100 years? Maybe. But we're right now, what's sanctioning? What, 29, 30, 40, whatever. Like about 30 countries are sanctioning right now. None of them are getting better. All of them are getting worse. To be and clear, you do, know, is, you do know right? Myanmar is currently the Myanmar military junta is currently engaging in the genocide of Rohingya Muslims 750,000 displaced 100%. and is already raping their own people so I'm what are we totally going to do that. so they they're doing that right now and that's why the people are requesting this they're requesting it for that reason yep i, I so totally it's not get like it. we can make them start raping their own people they're doing it now it'd be like it'd be like somebody is stabbing someone and we walk up and say well don't attack that man because they might stab that guy he's already stabbing them the guy is asking for our help Again, maybe. I mean, I'm I'm always going to err on leave it alone because what happens if we go in? Wait, I didn't say go, go in? in. We're not going in. There's never been a request for the United States government to go in. It's, it's okay. specifically sanctioned military companies. Okay, so what we do instead is we follow what you say. We decide yes, to... We do not actively supply the military with the bullets right. to rape and kill their own people. We don't do that. Then the, the, the leaders of Myanmar find China or Russia or whomever to sell them weapons anyway. Because well, China's what... already China's been selling them weapons for a while. Thank you. But the thing is, wait. Yes. The thing is, there's this idea that because this economy doesn't participate, then there's not going to be any economic harm whatsoever. There will be economic harm to the to yes. that. Having restriction to markets does mean economic harm for multiple yes. reasons. Because number one, it'll mean You're China's right. in a better negotiating position, so they'll be able to charge higher prices. And number two, yep. it's because they'll have not restriction to bigger markets and more yep. people to buy their products. Because like the military soda company, like Japan, not it was only United States, Japan. Japanese companies will no longer work with these I companies. I love it. A, a lot of things are happening like that. Yeah, the thing is, more that, pressure, that pressure means, ultimately, even if they can still get resources from other means, there always will be people who will make a dime off of human suffering. Their resources will be lessened, and their ability to inflict human suffering will decrease with the What's lack the of resources of they have. What's the evidence if, of that? If th- That if people have less money to buy guns and buy weapons, they won't be able to use those weapons or guns anymore? What do you... What I'm saying is when you when you put the sanctions on the military, supposedly, whatever you do there, right? Military whatever you whatever you send to them, whether you send them food or medicine, whatever, the military will physically take it 
and then swap it for cash and buy guns from China. They will have enough guns to suppress their people anyway. The people who will be punished will be the poor anyway. Iran, we've been stopping them forever, and they still punish their poor and arrest people and throw gay people off of, off of buildings and lop women's heads off because they got raped. They still do all that horrible stuff. That hasn't changed. They're still being punished. It's not working is my point. To be clear, but the thing is those people people are requesting it. And those people are currently engaged in resistance movements. Because the thing is they're not under the auspices of like, well, this is a government which we can negotiate with. If you look at, there's a lot more black flags raising in Myanmar, which if you don't know what that means, that's an open statement of rebellion. Yep. That's a lot. There's actually a lot of people are bringing up rifles and they're they're not the most expensive rifles in the world, but a bullet kills a man and they yep. are doing that and restriction of these resources to that military combined with an increase of resistance movements combined with increase of protests, international attention. This puts pressure on the, on this military, on this military junta. Right. It gives when them less it maneuverability worked? and when they will have worked? to cave more. When has it worked? You, when has it South- worked? Yes. South Africa. South so, okay, to be clear, I'm not sure I can give you something, but for the sake of argument, I'll give you South Africa. One, you've named, and that was what, 20 years ago? How long was South Africa? 25 years ago? 30 years ago? When was that? 30 years ago? I'm sorry, so 30 years ago, right? If, if you're accepting it, so you're accepting that intervention in some cases does work then? I ha- I have said that I want to err on a side of non-intervention. That's what well, I'm Can I ask you a quick question about South Africa? You Please. said that the reason that they got rid of, that they went for nukes was because of sanctions. When in your conversation with Destiny. Yes, that was that was a part of the reason why. If you ask the clerk, the clerk did an interview, I, I forgot when. It was relatively recent, maybe five or ten years ago. It was relatively recently when he did an he did, uh, interview. And he talked about exactly this. He said one of the reasons why they were trying to brush this was because they wanted to be able to have power, not just for their neighbors, but also on the world stage. They looked yeah. inward. And that's what he says. He says every time, this is the clerk's words. So to be clear, it's not my words, his words. And I am paraphrasing. You can check it out. It's it's on YouTube if you want to watch the – I think it was five, ten years ago, maybe. I don't remember. Maybe five years ago. Um, he said they actually looked inward. It was one of the reasons why they looked for um, they looked for more more weapons of mass destruction. He says it hurt that it hurt their black population more than anything else. It devastated them more than anything else. It actually slowed their economic growth. And he said – this is what the clerk's words. He said – and you can believe me or not, the number one reason why – this stuff actually, they got better and they gave uh, was black clerk? people, the clerk, with guys, the, the president's name was the clerk, D-E-K-L-E-R-K, I think. I believe that was his, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing this off memory, so I may be off, but I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure it was the clerk. Um, he said that the biggest reason why was because there was a rise in the middle class blacks in his country. That's the reason why they had to give them power, the rise of the middle class blacks. That's what he said. You might not believe him. You could think he's lying, but he said it wasn't the sanctions that did it. It was the rise of the middle class. That's what he said. Well, well I okay, to be clear. And, and his words were, he said that our, that our sanctions against him made that slower. That actually retarded the growth of the black middle class. And that they probably would have actually been faster without it because they were getting pressure well, from well, from what I remember class. hearing yesterday when, while listening to this was that you were saying that the sanctions actually scared the co- country and thing is the sanctions were not done until 1986. The nuclear program started in 1967 and the first nuclear tests were done in the 70s. So this nuclear program was underway. They were under the they were going under this and it wasn't under the idea that 
one day America will sanction us or one day America will. I mean, when this program started, it was 1967. I don't think they were under the auspices of America loved black people and they were coming to Africa to liberate black people. They weren't under that idea. No, so I, they I were starting this for, for the world. I just wanted to clarify that because I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, uh, what, what, again, you, this is what Africa, South African leadership said. So you may not believe it. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking, right? So it's possible that they're biased in their thought process. But if you listen to the interviews they've done with them, de Klerk and others, what they were worried about was, look, the world's changing. And this is going to come back to bite us eventually. This apartheid can't survive. They also they didn't want to give this, nukes to black people. They really didn't. Well, they really wanted to make sure that they were powerful enough and a world player to have control and power so that people couldn't mess with their apartheid and, they could hold on to the, and the white leadership could hold on to it as long as possible. That was one of the reasons for trying to get into the world stage to include weapons of mass destruction. So, and the, you know, I mean, that's the thing is when it comes to, comes to the, the world, the international community organizing against them, the mm-hmm. international economic pressure and all of these things happen, which, which you've seceded. But the thing that's interesting, and this isn't a, like a debate point, but this is interesting. One of the major factors that led to them giving up their nukes was part of the reason that they did not want to give nuclear weapons to a country which would then later, due to you know democracy, be dominated by black people. They were scared of that idea. That's part of the reason why they gave it up. Not a debate point, just interesting that no, they, no, they went not. for all of this power, but then immediately just under the idea that black people could share in this power, that they immediately give it up because it's so terrifying to them. Look, to be um, clear, if, if, if the only thing we had done in the last 50 years since World War II was sanctions on South Africa and that was it, eh, I'm not complaining. That's not a bad deal. I would take it, and it probably helped. I would assume that it helped, right? The clerk said it wasn't the major issue, but you're probably right. It probably helped, and it's not world-ending. And look, we're going to do things like this here or there. The world's not going to end. What I'm saying is right now, we are involved everywhere, all the time, constantly, and the vast majority of these things fail. We, If I'm not mistaken, haven't we bombed like over 20 countries since World War II? We've sanctioned probably 100, I'd guess. I mean, I, that's a total guess. But we're, now we're doing like 30 or 40. So when you can just have to think for a bit and go South Africa, which I think was, what, 25 years ago? Is that about right? Just, is my math? I don't I don't think. I mean, it's, I mean you, the thing you is. You should can, be able to tell me seven de- countries. Wait, well, the thing is, it's it's weird because it feels like the goalpost is slightly being moved here. Because, like, for example, like during the conversation with Destiny, you were like, tell me one. One like modern operation you support, and for me, I, I immediately would just say Operation Inherent Resolve. And then okay. let's say that I finagle you into this position on okay, it's one you support. Then the next goalpost is well, now you got to tell me seven. And then after I get no, seven, no, no, it's gonna no, be no, now no, you no. need to tell me ten. I, it's I, be I this, don't. Like, goalpost. No, no, I'm not going to goalpost at all. What I'm saying is, and I'm going to be clear on my position: we should always err on non-interventionists. Always err. Will we intervene sometimes? We probably will here or there. To change American policy, that's unrealistic. And what I'm saying is it fails the vast majority of the time. So why would I make interventionism in any way, shape, or form part of my normal foreign policy when I know that the vast majority of the time it's going to fail? I'm going to bomb eight countries, and maybe the Kurds is the one country that works in Syria. Meanwhile, every other country I bomb, Yemen, Syria, Somalia, I'm sorry, Syria... If we take Syria as a success, I, I guess, if we take it as that, then then Iran failed, Afghanistan failed. What a terrible policy to have. How well, the thing is, if you, if you listen to what I... Non-interventionism. Well, it then, feels like you're... 
But who are you arguing against my position or someone else's position? Because I give you what I supported, and so far, like with South Africa or this, it feels like there's less objections than if I would have said like Iraq or all this other stuff. But then you go after Iraq or this other stuff, which I I didn't even mention. So if you were talking to maybe um maybe if if if, uh, if Donald Rumsfeld was still with us and he came in here and he was talking about unknown unknowns, then maybe you could like talk to him about that. But Donald I'm Rumsfeld the one here. Never saw a war he didn't love. He didn't see war. Didn't he? Never saw war. Did not love. But I'm yes. talking about uh, Northeastern Syria Operation Herat Resolve. I am talking about the the sanctions on South Africa. I'm talking about the the sanctions on the military companies in Myanmar. I'm talking about World War II. Eventually, we'll probably get to Korea, and I'm going to talk about some uh, some statements released by the State Department. But I'll, I'll cover all of those. We now, could, if you want to be clear. I yeah, don't, we I don't could go. We, yeah, I'd like to cover though because I mean, if you just want to ask me yeah. like, what about Iraq? I'll just say, yeah, that sucked, and then we we'll agree. Yeah. Because my thing is, my prescription isn't that we should. Because a lot of problems with American foreign policy is when you have a hammer and everything looks like a nail. And that's a problem I have with American foreign policy. I'm somebody who who wants uh, international institutions to be more involved in negotiations. I believe mm-hmm. that is part of the reason why we've seen conflict decrease is when there's more intermediaries. Like, for example, Oman. And that's why we got the uh, Iran deal, because Oman acted as an intermediary. And when we have like stuff like that, it helps. And, I, of course, I think I would want to give them much more power than you would. Uh, I'd want to get rid of the Security Council and and give them a lot more power. I think much of the reasons Yugoslavia failed was a lack of authority with the United Nations because they just stood there with guns and stuff happened. But um, let's go. Let's, we can go back to World War II because I think we we just immediately just jumped off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever, wherever you feel. Do, do you do you want me to to specifically deal with the the three or four you mentioned, or um. We could actually we did cover we basically covered our position on I guess on World War II. We can move on to Korea if you wanted. If just, I'm fine with I'm anything. Easy. Let, let me let me give you my my premise in general, just so you you know where what what I'm arguing for. If this is a debate, I don't see this as a debate. I see it as a discussion. But what I'm what yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying that we are far too interventionist. It's not even close. We we need to cut back tremendously, and our norm should always be non-interventional. That should be our norm. And we should have very special cases to ever intervene. And if we do, Congress should have to declare actual war and create standards of victory or no intervention. So if you're telling me, Larry, what I wanted to intervene in the Kurds, the Kurds is a good example. I think you're right. It's a good example of intervening. But what would I want to have? A declaration of war and then an answer for victory. So someone like Trump couldn't just walk out and do that kind of thing. There would be a mandate, and Bush and Bush could even handle it. Obama could have handled it. Anyone could have handled this it. This was Barbara Lee's criticism of the Afghanistan war when she was the sole vote against it, was yep. the fact that there wasn't the st- clear standards when we went in. And it's one of my main criticisms of the Afghanistan war. Another one would be the fact that Donald Rumsfeld said on the issue of Pakistan, I don't know if they're going to be your enemy or ally. Lamal, let's go in. Right. He just said it in a memo that was released, which I, I can agree with you on those things. Like I, be- I believe in a, a more restrained American foreign policy in comparison to what we've had. Um, yep. We're not going to have any disagreement. I think the thing. So I think it's better to just talk about the instances then. Sure. Since okay. I think that makes more sense. So when I talk about Korea, um, I believe that we could have avoided the entirety of the Korean War by being more clear about our position on Korea and showing it more as a red line. We could have avoided the entirety of the conflict because are you familiar with Dean Anderson's speech in, in uh, January 12th of 1950, which he made to the National Institute? Tell me about National it. Press I, Club. Uh, was, he, who, was he Secretary of State? He was, was, he? He was Secretary of State, yes. Dean yeah, yeah. He was Secretary of yeah. State at the time. So he made a speech to the National Press Club. 
And basically, he was talking about America's defensive position in Asia. And he basically lined out, this is why Japan's important. Uh, this is why he called it China, but Taiwan is important. Uh, mm-hmm. This is why all these Asia are important. He left out Korea. And this was, of course, noticed by Kim Il-sung, mm-hmm. Stalin, Mao, and the rest of them. Uh, how much of an impact it had, historians disagree. But following later, it was about, I think, like five or six days, Congress rejected $60 million of aid mm-hmm. to South Korea. And so this whole time, ever since Kim Il-sung has wanted to, wanted to invade since 1948. He was like, let's go in, let's go in. And Joseph Stalin and Mao were more of the people who were like, let's stay back because they didn't know if America was going to intervene or not. And they were, and if they were, if America and was going to intervene, nukes yet. they didn't want to. They didn't, they have, didn't nukes have nukes and, yet. And they didn't know about how nukes were going to play into international conflict. They didn't yep. know if nukes was going to be this thing that like everybody just throws at each other or it's like this very like no-no topic. Nobody Absolutely. had any clue. Nobody had any clue. And so they didn't really want to get involved. And it was when we showed an unclear hand is when mm-hmm. there was fogginess is when that conflict happened. Because if that fogginess wasn't there, the war would have never started. All war, and this is just basic international relations theory, is started by human error. People overplaying their hands or thinking they have a better hand than they really do. All war is caused by human error to some extent. And for in this instance, I think if we would have just been clear that this is a red line, it could have avoided the whole war to begin with. Joseph Stalin Mao would not have given so, them the go-ahead. So let's assume we did that. We did that. We just we, we said, we're going to stand in South Korea, and if you yeah. come across North just, Korea, we're going to fight. Just change what? the denaturation speech slightly. Just be like, this it. is a and, strategic priority. Or I'll go further. We go clearer. We literally say, Kim Il-sung, if you cross, was the 51st parallel, is that right? The 51st yeah. uh, parallel. If you cross that parallel, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fight. We're gonna the Americans are at war. We might even use nukes. We go straight up like that. Okay, great. So where will we be right now? Probably still two Koreas, and probably still a North Koreas. Korea filled with yep. twenty five million or thirty million people in North Korea who are starving and in a terrible position. Yep. Well, actually, yeah, I, that's wait, probably me, what still would have happened. Wait. Well, let me let me let me explain my position. Okay. So the thing is, I don't live in a fantasy land either. I believe conflict – I believe human beings are imperfect. And until we have a ties where economics – I believe trade brings peace to a certain extent. That's something we agree on. But I also believe – I mean I guess you can call me a liberal internationalist to some extent. I also believe international institutions and, uh, and some, some basic realism, but not a ton. Realism is just a lot much longer. So when it comes to this – we would have avoided a war. So that means millions of people still alive, right? Agreed. That's a positive. We all agree uh, that's a positive. So yes. population would be higher. Uh, North Korea's countryside, its infrastructure was devastated by the war. I mean, the American bombing campaign in, in Korea was brutal, like brutal. There was also a lot of like uh, uh, destruction in the South Korea as well, but it was particularly brutal in North Korea. That's because we just had the Air Force to do it. Whereas we destroyed their airfields, we destroyed their port structures, 100%. Yep. And then China got involved. And China, this this permanently tied to kind of Chinese commitment to Korea when it comes to how this is a strategic priority, how this is a war, this is an active war zone. Mm -hmm. I think if the war would have been avoided by making a clear statement, you don't need to go off the rails about like, we're going to nuke you, we're going to, we're going to cover you and all the things. You can just make it, this is a strategic priority. And we will treat it as a priority. We are not going to invade. We're not going to cross this line. But we intend to defend uh, South Korea, blah, blah, blah. Right? If we were to do that. My chat just told me it's a 34th parallel. 34th. 
I'm bad with math. Uh, yes. Math was not my priority. I'm not good with numbers. I'm not a numbers oh, man. I forgot the parallel. 51st is Canada. Sorry, my mistake. That's Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is Canada. It's Canada. You know what? So. You know why I got it confused? I'm having a Canadian friend come down uh, soon. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm helping the neoliberal uh, importation project, you know, the immigration thing, uh, taking away all the factory jobs. Um, the thing is, that would have avoided the war. It would have preserved infrastructure. And even if it was the most authoritarian state comparable to right now, probably due to the war and the conditions of war, it would have been less authoritarian. There might be less sanctions, less likely for them to get nukes due to the history of the war. And on top of everything else, they would most likely have a better economy due to still having this, like being able to build off the same infrastructure. And we'd be more likely to have negotiations between Korea, South and North, if a war never happened, if because they're still technically at war, that sure. kind of hurts negotiations. The thing is, a lot of times South Korea like, like will like try to call them up and they just won't respond. That condition probably wouldn't exist today. I think this condition and this situation would have been much better than the current one. If we just avoided the war altogether, I think it would have put us in a much better place for the diplomacy. But um, it only would have happened with a reformed Dean Atchison speech and making a clear opposition. Because if a if people have incorrect information, that could lead to war, human error. And number two, if there isn't enough, and I remember you said that like fear is, I, but I want to talk about how fear can be useful. If you're fearful of invading other countries due to repercussions, that can keep peace. And that would be an example of that. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Um, my, my point was once the war happened, we didn't need to intervene. But, but if you're telling me that we could have stopped the war, of course I wouldn't have stopped the war. No argument for me. If we could have stopped the war by just saying there's a red line, uh, absolutely. I, I, well, what happens if they cross you. the red line in your world? If they, what if they cross the red line anyway? If we don't follow it up, then our word becomes worthless. And if our word becomes worthless, then that means this ability or this thing we're talking about right now – it means nothing. That's my biggest criticism of the Obama administration. Which is, is why we can't have a president making red lines. We have Unless to have a Congress. Intend- no, we have to have a Congress okay, fair sign a peace treaty that says this is a treaty. This is a treaty. And our treaty says the 34th parallel is what we will defend. So if you cross that, that parallel, then we have a right to declare war on you. And again, congressional declaration of war who is the enemy, and how we're going to win. Truman just said, we're going. That's what actually happened. He just said, we're going. UN, you with me? And the UN said, "Ah, uh, without you, we're nothing. So I guess what you say, America. And that's when the UN went. That's And that goes back to my other point. If you've got the Declaration of fair, War... The Soviets could have vetoed it, but they chose not to out of diplomatic protest because of, 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 of uh, the CCP. But but so would you have... A, so what you're... T- would you, so what you're telling me is you would have, if you would have pushed for a congressional authorization for this to avoid the war? No, I would if we believed it was true. And again, I'm I'm saying if I was there, right? If I if I believe this, I would have said then let's make a peace treaty. Let's make a treaty that says Congress signs the treaty and agrees. The Senate, the Senate, I believe, it would be a mutual it, right? defense pact in this instance. There we go. Uh, something like that. Then what? The, if that's the case, then yes, we have to defend. Look. I don't like that we're in NATO. I don't, but I wouldn't think, but, but we have to fight. And that's why I don't like the fact that we're in NATO. But I don't want us to go against our packs. I think us being in NATO is a terrible idea. However, if there's war, we have to fight. Yes, because we have a treaty. Yes. So if we had a treaty in South Korea to stop the war, I, if it were me, 
in my in my perfect world, let me go perfect world because we're, we're we're playing in that world, right? In my perfect world, I would I would have already at in forty five tried to negotiate a single Korea without a pact. I would have tried to negotiate Didn't a they single try Korea that? immediately. There there was this was this idea of like what the idea was that. It was kind of like Germany was supposed to be like a single country eventually. Vietnam was supposed to. Korea. The I. But the problem is when you have two separate power blocks. Thank the idea you. Of that happening. So the the problem was in this instance that they were going to have free and fair elections. Then you know power blocks. That's but what my point is. Happened. I and and the problem is that the mindset that the mindset was. If we allow the North Koreans or Korea to be more in the camp of the Soviets the world would end and they'd be in a terrible spot and everything would be terrible and bad. And if I was negotiating that, and I think Korean leadership would be more closer to China or Russia, me, if it were up to me, I'd be like, okay, I guess you're more in their sphere than ours. Okay, but be a country. That's all I would have cared about. And my example of this, I think is Poland. Poland was completely in the Russian sphere. Look at Poland now, way better. One of the one of the most prosperous, happiest countries in Eastern Europe. Not the most. I'm not sure. Oh. I think the I think Baltic states are are maybe more, but I'm not sure. But they're one of. If, if so, I let them be what they are, want to be. Oh wait, wait, wait. To be clear, the the Polish people reject communism outright. Mm-hmm. They despise communism. They despise yes. the Soviet Union. And yep. the thing is, they hated Nazism because Nazism yep. saw them as subhuman, and they hated communism a lot of people don't know this but the soviet union tried to invade poland in the 1920s and failed yes uh, on like a miracle war and the thing is they hated so i i think when you talk about russian influence the, the people wanted it they did not want communism no 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 they did i not did not say soviet they union. wanted it they not what not i said that. i said in the case of poland it was under soviet control i'm not saying they wanted it i'm saying it was and they still were able to in their own time Find democracy, find a better, find a become a better country. So you we think just would have allowed been... if we would have allowed Korea to unite, if that would have been more under a sphere of China or Russia, if that or the Soviet Union at the time, I wouldn't have liked it. But so what? It's their country. The problem. That's all I'm saying. The problem I have with this is that I believe that the Kim family, and I know you proposed the idea. Well, well maybe they would have fell. We maybe. we have no historical basis to tell if they would have fallen or not no, um if anything know. they would have they would have had more resources so i think the odds of them of falling would have probably decreased than it probably in this Hold timeline on. You, wait a minute. you just told me that if they would have still the war, been... north korea would have more resources you okay with north korea having more resources so let all yes. korea have it wait let me let me finish i'm talking about the kim family I'm, yeah. I'm i'm happy with like a people being more prosperous but i'm talking about the prosperity of korea going forward past yep. if because in that reality it was it's like our reality except north korea probably has a higher standard of living and we avoided millions dying and south korea even probably has a higher standard of living and they have a better relationship and in this world we're talking about all of korea including the much higher population of what we see in Korea today, South Korea, which widely appreciates American support, widely sure. likes the freedoms they have, widely likes freedom of speech and all these things, all of those things being erased, erased off the map and then living under an authoritarian state under the Kim family, like a pseudo monarchy. Maybe you're right. I, I, I have no idea. I, you're, maybe. And, and, mean- this, and this thing, idea of the buffer zone, I think destiny, well, I, I don't, I, I don't think he uh, approached a lot of that uh, uh, great. I think when it came to that, he was correct about the idea that what would have happened is it just would have moved. 
It just would have moved to more. It would have been more about Taiwan, more about Japan. And the only difference is the Soviets would have had more leverage. I, I can't. And and, and all of Korea would have had a worse human rights record. So let's assume for a moment that what you're basically what you're basically saying, you're you're actually saying the domino theory was was real. Like the if if we if, you know, Taiwan, I mean, if uh, if Vietnam falls, then everything becomes communist and it's a red wave. I don't buy that. I haven't I bought that. that. I still don't buy that. I didn't you, say that. But it, wait, 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 wait. I didn't say that. But if we let them take over Korea, then Korea is then communist. That's just a statement. Like, like if, if, for example, if we allow them to invade Taiwan, Taiwan's no longer Taiwan. Like, that's just a statement of fact. I'm not saying it's going to collapse everywhere, but it is true that they would have more leverage. It is true that they would control Korea. It is true that looking down the line and how the South Korean dictatorship crumbled comparatively and how democracy came about, they most likely have worse human rights. They most likely would not have freedom of speech. They most likely would have a worse economic model. They most likely would have a lower standard of living overall across all of Korea, even though they would have a higher one for avoiding all of the destruction and conflict. Comparis- if just the economic model of Juche would not have worked because the resources needed for Juche, North Korea already has. They just Juche just doesn't work. Look, the, what I'm saying here is you're right. We're, we're playing guessing games here. That's true. We're playing guessing games. But what I'm saying is, let's assume that Korea united, and we negotiated it. This is my this is my perfect world. We negotiated a united Korea, and in this world, you're right. They have their they still care about us. They still like us. We helped to defeat Japan. They're not going to hate us. There's no reason to hate us, right? The North Koreans hate us because of the war that we fought. In this case, there's no war fought fought. So the Koreans don't hate us. They simply have more of a, a close relationship to the Soviet Union and or China, depending upon how this works. So why would they be all of a sudden mad at us, making nuclear weapons, fighting in some horrible Cold War against us? I don't see that happening. Why, why would Korea fight a Cold They would. The Cold War would still be going on. The Koreans yeah. would still... They, I mean, let, let's be honest. Stalin and Mao are not known for their more pacifistic policies. Sure. They are people who have completely different moral frameworks than you and I. Yep. Um, because they believe and spreading this across the world. There, there's a reason why Stalin did not allow free elections across Poland and the rest of these countries and only allowed approved candidates is because they didn't want free elections. They wanted power. And I'm, so I'm not their, their quest for power would still continue because even if we adopted this, this non-interventionist framework, the rest of these countries are, are not going to, and they're going to go across the map, across all these other countries, and the only difference is they wouldn't have the United States in their corner, and that threat that we talked about, the, that fear, that earlier we talked about could be helpful, that could be useful, that can stop war and would have stopped war in the Korean Peninsula. And that's my genuine belief. That wouldn't be there. They just go on a on a on a, on a conquest spree. Yeah, but this is the issue, right? After World War II, we basically created two different spheres, right? The U.S. sphere and the Soviet sphere, and that was the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And what the and what the unwritten rule was: if you invade one of our countries, we will nuke you. We didn't say those words, but that was kind of an unwritten rule, right? If you if the Russians actually rolled across, you know, into Germany, then we would nuke Russia. Uh, that that was basically the unwritten rule that we thought was going to happen. So we no, were scared that that it would that it would always escalate into someone being nuked. So if we, if that's the role we're going to play, then now you just add Korea to the list of those in the Soviet bloc or the Chinese bloc, which may or may not have been good. I don't know, but they still would be Koreans. And then at this point now, the Soviet Union fell 30, what, 30 years ago, 32 years ago, it fell. 
So they would now have had 30 years to rebuild whatever they're going to rebuild. And that's why I bring up the idea of Poland. That's what happened in Poland, Estonia, Latvia, all those places. We saw what happened in North Korea. They did not change models. They kept the family. They kept the Juche system. They kept everything. They didn't adapt. They didn't change. They continued. And you can because of the the thing is we just talked about. They would, but the thing is, I don't see them. I don't see them dropping the authoritarianism completely. There's certain aspects they wouldn't have. They'd still have authoritarian models. They, they, they might not have nuclear weapons because they wouldn't need to. They might. They, there isn't actually a chance that they might because they were the new buffer state, as in it was between Japan and Korea. That is still possible. Again, we're working off hypotheticals here, but it is undoubtable that the, the families in the Kim Il Sung, a Kim family, is going to be an authoritarian dictatorship in comparison to the democracy we see in South Korea. Yeah, you're, are you telling me that it wouldn't be as good as just South Korea? Maybe I, I don't know that, but it, you're, it would you're have, assuming almost undoubtedly. Probably, I'm not. I'm not fighting that the point. But you're acting like the North Koreans now, who are 25 to 30 million strong, in a horrible position right now. Your assumption is that once the Soviet Union falls, that that engaging and opening middle class that would have naturally happened, as even China was opening up in the 70s, even the Soviet Union was opening up in the 90s. They're all opening up. Why would North Korea open up? They wouldn't be being backed the same way because they wouldn't be a buffer state. I know you say they'll be a buffer state. I, I can't find any evidence of any other place of them being a buffer state except in the one spot where we cut the country in half. Countries, if you don't countries, cut the country in half and and have us on it, the difference between uh, us be having countries do become countries do become buffer states. Let's for example, let's say we conquered all of Germany. Germany and Poland would have still been the two buffer states in in the Cold War. That's still what it would have been wherever the line is, quote unquote. Yes, and the line can be in the ocean. I know it's like there can be a line in the ocean. A great example would be Taiwan and China right now. Taiwan is not a buffer be, state. And ta- Taiwan. When we talk about Taiwan and the conflict between Taiwan and China, there's conflict there. There's yeah. planes going into the airspace. There's there's multiple violations of their tons of hacking. You, we all know they're being extremely aggressive from China. That can exist in the ocean. The similar thing could have existed between Korea and Japan. It happens in Japan and China right now. They still fight well, over to islands. Much, to a much lesser extent. That would be over the Senkaku Islands specifically. They still but, fight over islands. So? Yeah, but the thing – what do you mean so? That doesn't mean that okay. So that means reason, we have more. That means we have more authoritarianism, and we just moved the conflict somewhere else. No, not at all. Now Korea is its own country, so it doesn't under have to, what under whatever they would have been under, whether that was Soviet or communist Iron dictatorship. Maybe, maybe. Yes, that, and, that's what the Kim family were. That's their okay. their dedicated communists. If we negotiate, okay. If we're talking about letting them win the war or negotiate, which one are we talking about? If we're saying negotiating a, a, a Korea, if we're talking yeah, about you were, that. You, were, you said under this model of we leave and the kind of the Soviets, they, they, we, we allow the Russian and, and Chinese sphere to kind of take it over. That's that's what the model you told me under. And you said like kind of like, so what? That's That seems what I got from you. No, what I was saying is we negotiate it. And if it winds up that they're more in the pocket of China and of the Soviet Union, that's fine, but there's, they, they won't have to hate us. The Korean people wouldn't have hated us. North Koreans wouldn't hate us because there would not have been a war. Okay, That's my don't, point. Don't, there wouldn't have been a so, war. You're talking about the avoidance of the entire Cold War then. Isn't that what you were talking No, no. Weren't you tell, telling me you wanted to avoid the Korean War? Did I miss I wanted to avoid the Korean you? War, but that doesn't yes. mean the entire Cold War just goes away because we no, stopped one conflict. But the Czechs were part of the Cold War and they didn't hate us. 
The Poles were part of the Cold War and they didn't hate us. Their units that were Soviet units within those countries did because they were Soviets. But the Polish people didn't hate us. They loved us. The Czechs so, so, didn't hate us. They so loved your, us. So your thing that makes this better is the fact that, yes, Koreans do maybe most likely live under this authoritarian system, but they don't hate us, so it's okay. They don't hate us, right? So that means they're influenced by us, which is what Poland and Czech and the Czech, at that time Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia, all those countries were influenced by us because they didn't hate us. They weren't like the evil American dogs. They didn't think that. North Koreans believe that. South Koreans don't. And North Koreans wouldn't have believed that because it only be one Korea, they wouldn't hate us. So when the Soviet Union falls, whenever that so would your happen, ideas that our influence would make them capitalist and freedom and democracy. More, That's the idea. not perfect, but more. And I and my example is Czechoslovakia and Poland. I'm giving you what about China that happened. China is a great example where there was this idea with Richard Nixon. There's a lot of people put it forward that we would have this this democratic awakening with with, with the Chinese state, and the Chinese state would eventually. And we saw Tiananmen Square, and was oh my oh my God, is this the moment? It was crushed. We see what's going on in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, you can right now be arrested for booing the Chinese national anthem. There are people yeah. in uh, re-education camps in yep. the Xinjiang region. Free speech, good luck. There's a million – the South China Sea, we see what they're doing with Taiwan. We see what they're doing on the Indian border. We see this. The the economic opening up occurred. We have trade. We have all these prosperous like like things between America and China. And I'm not saying cut all that off. But why – if it didn't work there – and Korea's right there. Why would it have worked there and not uh, if it didn't work in China? Didn't we 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 fought the Chinese first off? We fought the Chinese in the Korean War, so we did have a war with the Chinese there too. So there was a war there, just to be clear. Yeah, there, so there was a war there, there. So you're saying that that one war is what's stopping it? No, from no, happening. no. That isn't that. That isn't the only one. No, but that sets the stage, right? But not just that. Let's assume they don't become our level of democracy. Okay eventually they will or they won't they will find their own way to what they want to find if you're going to sit here and tell me well larry there's bad people doing bad things all over the world okay then we have two things to consider are we going to sanction them all or are we going to fight them all and the problem or or a combination right are we going to affect all of them right are we going to somehow either bomb them or sanction them or embargo them or invade them or whatever you think is the right thing to do for all the bad things that are happening in america I mean, in the world, and America too, by the way, but throughout the world. And my answer is, we cannot be the policemen of the world. We should not and be doing that. And someone got mad at me on, in Destiny's chat about thinking I was talking about being in bad faith. It's not bad faith for me to say, are you prepared to send your sons and daughters to die for these wars? I have a 17-year-old. I'm concerned uh -huh. about that. I do not want to send my children to die for someone else's war. I was a Marine for seven years. I was, man, I was a Marine under, um, under Reagan. If, and when I was a 17, 18, 19-year-old Marine, I don't have 17. I was an 18, 19-year-old Marine. I can tell you the person that I was. If Reagan had told me to go kill someone because he told me whether he was the enemy, I would have done so. I would have ordered men to their death. I would have taken the order to my own death. I wouldn't have thought twice. I would have done so. So yeah. will most of our military members. And I don't want to send those people to their death or worse. And I would say worse. Or they come home blown to bits with TBI and PTSD. Many of them would rather be dead, which is why they take their own lives. I don't want to do that for every single problem that you can name in the world. You can name many of them. The only ones that I want to do, and I fall back to this constantly, is if our representatives literally say a declaration of war and they take responsibility 
from their constituents to send their constituents' sons and daughters off to die and worse, then I'm even though I don't like it, I accept okay. that. But that's not I, what's I agree happening. with you. Wait, wait. I, I, the thing is, again, my position is in that we just send our troops everywhere, and anytime there's an issue, we go in and we start guns blazing. For because when you heard my issue on Myanmar, people asked me, "Well, why don't we just invade Myanmar?" And I said, "Because that'd be a ridiculous position. They're yes. close to China strategically. That China cares too much. They have a decent relationship with the Myanmar government." And I give a million reasons why. And of course, the reasons why there is different for why I support a different policy with uh, Operation Hair Resolve, because there's specifics in the situation. And I am I'm uh, I'm a young man. I'm still military age. Uh, there are certain situations I would not go to die for, and there's certain ones I would. For example, I would not go to fight for the Saudi war in Yemen. That's a ridiculous proposal. They're not winning. The Saudi commanders don't know what they're doing, and they're not going to win that war. I would for Taiwan. I believe the Taiwanese people deserve freedom. I believe that they want to preserve freedom. I believe they've been a steadfast so United States ally. why would I stop I think you? I would not. And the thing is. Why would I stop you? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I would advocate for the government, if they were attacked, to go and defend Taiwan. And I would get Congress to do it. I agree with you. Congress should do it. I agree with you on that. Congress should do it. That's where we're debating the specifics. What you're doing is you're passing the buck on, on the issue. Instead of like, well, let's debate Taiwan. Well, let's debate Korea. Let's debate this. You Instead of saying the president do it, you say Congress do it. Okay, Congress do it. Now let's debate the merits as if we were Congress, right? Okay. And my I'm thing with do Taiwan, that. I'll do that. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I, if we agree on that point, then there's no reason to like keep saying like Congress do it, right? Because I believe congressional authority is important. I believe it was made that way for a reason. Um, I believe the AUMF is a silly piece of paper that does not dictate. It's like when we signed the AUMF in 2001, and then the reification and all this stuff. It was not when we when the, when the Congress people signed it. I don't think any of them signed it under the idea that in the year 2019, it would be used to blow up an Iranian general, Qasem Soleimani not related to the conflict it was really really signed to except tangentially right i think that either they need to sign up a new document before before congress that actually gives authorization for these con conflicts or start looking at a new strategy start looking at like what do we actually do going from together here because we haven't declared war since 1942 that means i would be very happy we would be in no conflicts since 1942 because we Wonderful. have not declared war since 1942 1942, we declared war. I think it's uh, Bulgaria, Romania, and Hungary. It was Germany's allies. That's the last time Congress declared war. So if that's what we're saying, I'm in. We, that means we wouldn't have been in a war since 42. Yes. That's kind of that's got to be weird if you're the uh, Bulgarian foreign minister. You're in the middle of war. It's been like a year since it happened, and, and you finally like get it in the mail. It's like, oh, this yep. is late. You open <laughs> yes. it up. Like, oh, this is kind of weird. I wasn't expecting this. But um, so let's let's talk about the merits. And if we agree on the Congress stuff, yep. so we can we can go back to this one because we did just talk about Japan. We didn't really talk about the Nazi regime. I believe that the not not only the evil of the the, the of, of the of the campaign that Japan was doing in Asia, but the evil of the German campaign and the Holocaust and everything that was going on was so despicable. And so a negative for all the actors in the world, in the world we would have saw if they won, mm -hmm. that it was our moral imperative to get involved. And I also believe that we should have accepted Jewish uh, refugees that were coming to us. That's the first thing we should have done to support the war effort. Yes. Not something that we pushed them back and sent them to the deaths. Absolutely. Um, that, yes. that, so and I believe also that we should have continued to send arms until our involvement happened and that our embargo system that – we were looking for a way in, and Japan 
kind of gave us that way in when we decided to tell them, like, we're not going to support your conflict through our trade. And so I believe that the moral imperative of stopping that war um, is why I would have supported it. There's multiple reasons. Some people can make strategic reasons. People could make um, other reasons, uh, religious ones. I, I, I talk about the moral imperative of stopping the Nazi regime. I, the, 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 the Nazi regime is, is a tough one for several reasons. I don't know what America was thinking then, to be forward with you. Mm-hmm. And so when you deal with the, the World War II, we were sending back Jews. You know, the Bund was still here in America. It had been four days after we declared war on Japan. And we still hadn't declared war on Germany. Germany then declared war on us. And I, and one, we one quick comment. The German-American Bund by 1941 was a shell of its former self. Yes, the Bund, but the thought process was still there. I agree. The Bund itself wasn't about to take over America or something. But the thought process was still there. And when it comes to racial purity and things the Nazis were thinking, uh, the, the KKK had marched 20 yeah, years we, earlier. We had, we had in, racism. In D.C. Of course. But we, we did not have the same. We did we not still, have the same model of racism or systematic. We did not correct. have the same ongoing systematic mechanical form of genocide. You can 100%. make an argument about Native Americans. You can most 100% make that. Yep. But not to the same extent that was going on with Nazi Germany. Not to what they were doing. Agreed. And so I in the German-American Bund by 1941, they were unpopular. They were not supported by the vast majority of Americans. Their leaders were indicted for like tax fraud in 1939, mm-hmm. and many of them were on the run out of the country. So yes. I, I just, just yes, wanted yes, to point yes. that out. But the sentiment was the, the, the millions of people who, were, who supported the Bund, their mindsets didn't change all of a sudden in a year. They weren't like, you know what? Now I hate Germans. That's, that's not what happened, right? Their mindset was still there. That's why I bring up the Bund, is that the mindset was still there. So am I unhappy that we fought Germany? No, I think it was, a, a, I mean, if you look at most Americans, vast majority of Americans thought it was the right thing to do when we were doing it, right? I think they did. And I think we had to draft them, which I can't stand on the other draft. But if we, if we had a volunteer force that was prepared to go fight there, Yes, America itself was in virtually no danger in World War II physically. Germans weren't going to invade. Japanese weren't going to invade. So the American mainland was not in, 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 in any peril itself. However, was it, a, was it a just cause? Of course, you're fighting Nazis. Of course, it's a just cause. So uh, am I glad we got into war? Yes, I Would am. you have declared war? Would I have declared war on Germany? Let's lay, here, here's, here's a question. Let's say Japan... There's yep. Pearl Harbor, so obviously yep. we don't really got an option there. If you don't, if, if FDR didn't declare war on Japan and he just ceded, he would have been voted out next election. 100%. There would have been yes. riots in the streets. And that was in Germany. Just we were attacked. Yes. Germany, let's say it's many people talk about it's a puzzling decision that he just declared war on America. And so there's actually, it's not historically crazy to say there's a scenario where he doesn't. Yeah. Would you declare war on Germany? And I'm not saying, like, well, let's ask Congress. I'm saying you're in Congress. Yes. You are a voting congressman. Do you vote for or against that war? Am, am I still the same? If uh, Am I a black man from New York? You know what? Let's say this is... Um, you know what I'm saying? If You know if, what? Am I a black let's... man from New York? No. I, I follow Muhammad Ali. No. I'm a black man from New York? No. Of course I don't. 
Why would I? How about give me the right to vote? How about that? That's what I'd be thinking in 1941 if I'm a black man in, how, in Congress. I mean, if that was even true. I'm a black man from the South? What the hell do I care about Nazis? What do I care? Seriously, so, I'm not making I'm sorry, it up. So, so what if you're I, saying, okay, so you're- 1941 and I'm a I didn't know we were role-playing to that extent. Okay, so um, if we're role-playing to that extent, can you get my top hat since? Can you see but if I can get the top hat? But, but if you're saying, am I Roosevelt? That's different. That's why I want to, I want to know what you're asking me. You just changed it. You said yeah, I'm, I'm in my, Congress. You're a, you're, yeah, you're a congressman. You're voting for against the war. That was the thing. I didn't know you were going to like superimpose that you're this different man in New York and doing that. But okay. So but I, no, I, do you I'm not, not think that we could say? Flippant. I wasn't going to yeah. be flippant. I was trying to be clear on where my head would have been. I was trying to be honest with your yeah. answering your question. So that would be a priority. If, you, if I'm do you Roosevelt, think... that's different. Okay, let's say – well, I wanted you to be you, um, but I don't you think we could combat racism and fight the Nazis at the same time? For example, like let's say – this kind of feels like every time I'm like, hey, we need to fight climate change, and someone says, there's homeless veterans on our street, and you want me to deal with that? And no, I'm no, like, no, no, no. This was specific on racial purity in the 40s. This was specific. This isn't climate change. It's not what mm-hmm. I'm saying. I'm not talking homeless people. You mm-hmm. brought up the racial purity issue specifically. And yeah, then one said of the many it was issues. Me. So if it's that issue, and I'm a black man, 1941, I don't care about the Nazis at that point. What about the right? fact that they're conquering and genociding? Like there, there is there. While of course segre- segregation was a disgusting, disgusting institution, um, it also the Holocaust was the genocidal removal of all human life. In comparison, it was a campaign of removal. And I'm agreeing with you. You can you can agree that we should fight racism and also fight this active ongoing genocide. That is going on in Congress. And let's be clear, the goal of the Holocaust was would have expanded tremendously sure. if the Nazis won. The goal would have been to completely erase Slavic people from the face of the earth. It would have been hundreds of millions of dead. They, they, it would have been on such a scale that we've never seen it on the face of this earth before. Just to, just to be clear. And so I, I don't – I just want to be clear that what you're saying is – like that's not my problem. If my because people, my because my my, for, my moral people, framework. One if, last thing. My I'll uncle say one is last being thing. lynched okay. in the public square because of the color of his skin. Yeah, I don't care. Yes, yes, I don't care. You're literally killing my people. I don't care. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Yes, not even close. I stand by that. That's a bull to bite. I, I'll I, bite down on that. I point. have a different moral framework. I believe a border does not dictate someone's moral consideration. And just because somebody lives within my borders means that I only consider that I consider I'm, them as more I'm morally sorry, significant where, in my moral framework. Where were the Europeans? Were they coming over to, to stop us from being killed? Were they helping us out? In 1941? So, did the, okay, did the British, so you did the walk British past go, the, oh, we're going to bomb those people. And by the way, we're going to send some people over wait, to America. When you walk past the home. Person, do you say, well, I stubbed my toe the other day. Where was this homeless man? Of course not. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. Of, you you of, would of hopefully give him a, a fiver, right? So just because they were of, of course they not. Me know, you just released them for the wolves there. No, you asked a specific question of me. What would I have thought if I was me, who I am now, a black man from New York in 1941? I would have said I don't care. That's what I would have said. That's what I'm telling you. You asked the question. No, and Congress, you would have voted against uh, stopping that. The, yeah. going, the using the American okay you but okay you bit the bullet on that that's one. what I'm saying if, if I'm that guy if that's who I am but if I'm Roosevelt or if someone like that 
I think a declaration of war was not crazy at all. I think it's not crazy at all. I mean, you have something to lose. I mean, I, it, it's, it's, your, it's yeah, I, I don't think it's crazy at all. But without question, the thing that I would have done without question is allowed all those refugees to come to us. And anybody wants to fight in that war, I'm the opposite of you. I'm like, send them. Go fight in that war. Can I help? Can I help fight? get you over there? The thing is, Can I help? the difference Go is fight. that would be a trickle comparative to the wave I would send. That is the full force of the American Armed Forces. That's what I would be sending, the full force of the American Armed Forces. Because what we're talking about is the Soviet Union would have lost – If we're talking April 1944. And this is when the war is like – without our support, that means 20% of the food that the Soviet Union has, gone. 10% of their armaments. This is what we're shipping them. Gone. Um, I believe – I. one second. I mean we're talking about casualty numbers that they would be experiencing with less equipment. I, I Already – I believe it was at the Battle of Slava. I never, one second, I have it written down, but I, I don't know how to pronounce Russian stuff very effectively, so I'm going to do my best. One second. But 40% of U.S., of of, U, of the Soviet Union's trucks in 1944 from, from the United States and the United Kingdom, all of this stuff was direct aid that we provided. Without our support, we could have seen, this is a legitimate scenario could have happened, Slavic people be wiped off the face of the earth. Jewish people be wiped off the face of the earth. Every homosexual shoved into a camp and killed. And what you're saying is that your solution is we'll accept the refugees, which would have been no, like no, 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 would, no, no. it would have been like it would have been like taking a thimble to scoop out of the ocean. There, there are two things here. One, you asked if it was me. That was the question you asked. If it was me, are you saying should America have gone? Okay, I already it, okay, said I'm, I already said yes to that. Okay. There are two separate questions. You said, should America have done it? I already said yes. Then you okay. asked a separate question. So it's yes. Okay. If I was, was just me, very, I was confused about the dynamic there because it felt like we're going in and out questions. of role play. No. Well, I would, okay. Well, because when I asked it was you, I met with your current moral framework of what you think America should do. That's what I meant. Ah, then yes. I've said yes. Okay. And I've said yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Then you and me, we'd been in the trenches fighting the Nazis together. I'm very happy to hear that. Yes, I would have. Yes. The, the answer was yes, but you you made a separate question, which I took specifically. Well, no, it's, it's very – okay. It's just when I ask people, like, what do you think of this? Um, do you think we should have fought this? Like, I wouldn't have said in the 1940s. Like, I, my think first thing wouldn't have been like, well, I was a – well, I'm a, I'm a queer. So if in the 1940s, I would have been more concerned about, like, organizing queer liberation. That's not really, like, what I, I would have been like, well, what should America do? America well, should what, do that. What I would Because say, you can though, believe we can go to war and you yourself don't go to war. You can believe that, by the way, too. Like, for example, if I'm disabled, I can still believe that we should go to war with the country. But I also, like, I'm not fighting. Yes, but the question would be, the question would be is, in your head, and this is an individual's question, if you were able to fight, would you? And if the answer is no, then why would you send someone else to do so, right? That would be my question. There if could be an could, answer that you think you could do better work at home uh, than abroad. For example, let's say you're the manager of a weapons company. Obviously, you're probably much better at home than you're abroad doing that. Or there's still going to need to be people at home like doing stuff. There's still going to be, sure. need to be a store clerk. There's still going to need to be a banker. There's still going to need to be the cop on the beat. That's still going to be like – so I don't think it's necessarily like every single person needs to personally sign a document saying, take no. me with you. It's you know? No, in your head – and this is someone – you have to square this in your own head. 
in your me, own head. The answer is yes. Like I've already said, would, I would go to war for yes, Taiwan. Absolutely. So then that's I would a, most certainly that's go to war to point. kill the Nazis. Oh, that's a fair point. I would have too, by the way. Yeah. I Wonderful. Sniper, flame, what would you have done? What do you think if you were there? Who? What what would your role be against the Nazis? Personally, I want to be a I want to be the touring comedian that entertains the troops. That that's what I would. Oh, want to do. I don't know. Whatever, whatever the, the military would have wanted me to do is fine. Whatever, I wouldn't have cared. Got it. But my 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 point, I guess, being here is no matter what, we should have done the good things to assist the people of Europe who were in trouble before we even got involved, and we didn't. We would we would like just go to hell. We should we we did a Lendley's program with the Brits. Which I wasn't against that either. We should have been giving them weapons. I have a problem with that either. Also a fine thing. My whole point of World War II that I brought up, and I don't know why we went to Germany, but my whole point of World War II was why in the world were we embargoing against Japan and increasing the odds that they bomb us? I would not have done that. Now, they might have still bombed us, but they Mm -hmm. might not have bombed us. I don't know that, but why would we even start the trouble? I wouldn't have started trouble because then we put what a hundred thousand Japanese in the internment camp or whatever we did. I forgot how many. It well, was. I don't need. Well, of course, I just I completely don't believe we should have put. There is no evidence whatsoever that it was effective. It, it was extremely immorally incorrect. Uh-huh. It was very it was very wrong for us to do that. And probably I would personally think it undermined our war effort because it's a hundred thousand people who would like to be contributing to the economy to combat the Japanese Empire, or many of them probably would have signed up for service. Yeah. Um, the thing is. And not to mention, if you're a Japanese American, translation stuff like that, code breaking, that's very useful. Um, so th- like, it just no. it makes it makes no sense. But when it comes to that, I don't like the idea like of American coin financing Japanese war crimes. The same way that I don't like the idea of allowing American companies to go to Germany and be like, okay, so medium or extra large concentration camp. I don't want American coin to do that because that increases the suffering in the world. And now so you ju- such- hold on. You you just told me that that you're not a big borders guy. Did I get that right? Well, I don't believe the I don't believe bor- borders dictate moral consideration. Okay, Meaning I'm not that sure like you're going with that. What I mean by that is like just because you're a Mexican means that I'm supposed to not care as much about you. Got it. Okay. Yes, but you you do realize though that human nature is we are tribal. I mean, that, yeah. That's... Well, if you're around people, you necessarily. I'm just saying, yeah. as a moral framework, it doesn't make sense that because this person's here, I care. I should care about them more than this person over okay. here just because they're Mexican. It doesn't make so, sense. So, so if that's true, if you don't want American coin doing that stuff, then does that mean you're against taxation? Because that's American coin bombing a whole lot of people, killing a whole lot of people. Are you? I believe against taxation. I believe on the ending of funding for those negative wars. That, that would be my solution. Because I believe taxation can do good things and bad things. And I am not ready for like a conversation so, on health care or any of that. But, but, but so could sending money to Japan. Japan could have fed baby their own children with that money. I mean, that, that, the theory that well, you're just coming up with is you, you know, you know, uh-huh. there's no doubt in your mind that the dollars you've paid in taxes, I don't know how long you've been working, but however long you've been working and paying taxes, you know that your tax dollars have gone towards bombing people and killing people. You are 100% aware of that, and so am I. It's also going to healthcare. It's also going towards infrastructure. It's also going towards good things as well. I'm Operation sure it Hair is. Resolve as well. Yes, absolutely. And, and killing people. And you just yes. told me, blanketly, blanketly, I don't want American coin going to these bad things. 
Well, then you must be against taxation because we're doing all kind of bad shit too. No, 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 no. Okay, so if they're – let me I'll draw – it's kind of hard to see. Can you see this uh, piece of paper Yeah. here? Okay, yeah. so just for the audience, this is really simple. So if we, let's say you have taxes, right, and it goes to good things in my mind. Of course, we disagree on, like, the effectiveness of probably, like, healthcare programs and bad things. But, right? but even though and I so may disagree – hold on. I may disagree yeah. with whether healthcare is a good expenditure or not. It's not a bad expenditure. So I think we can agree on that at least. It's not, a, yes. it's not bombing people. So we have good things and bad things. So yeah. under your model, we get rid of the taxes – and that means we stop funding both of these things, or or taxation is bad under your or whatever you ever proposed. No. I'm explaining my framework. I'm explaining. You're asking me why I'm against taxation. I'm not. I'm explaining okay. why I'm not against taxation. Okay. So you get rid of taxes, but that means now I have to stop funding all the good stuff. It means I need to stop funding all the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. So it makes more sense for me that we just stop funding the bad stuff and just keep just, funding the good stuff, and we could, advocate to fund the good stuff. But you could just give your money directly to the good stuff. You could. The problem is I don't believe that charities are an effective means of doing this. And that I believe that you point. need the full force of if, – If anyone looks at my stuff, LarrySharp.com is my policy website. I've never said destroy all taxes. I never said that. I was, I was teasing you on purpose because you were saying ah. any money that goes over to Japan – in, in the case of that, is towards genocide. Wait, not any what, money. Wait, and wait, what wait, I was saying me, is, hold on. Not, I didn't say that. I didn't say that, though. Well, we embargoed them so they couldn't get scrap metal from us. And some of that scrap metal went to bombing people, no question. And some of that scrap metal went to making a heater for a kid. I don't know what percentage that was, but some did and some didn't. The problem and you're was saying they... American coin can't go. Yeah, American coin. The thing is, these resources that were being embargoed, these resources that were being stopped, were because these were things that were directly going to be used for war. The thing is, we didn't embargo, like, rice or something. We didn't embargo, like, cheeseburgers or whatever. Things that are needed to keep – or medical equipment, as far as I'm aware. If, if I'm incorrect, please, somebody send me, like, information on that, which I would, of course, oppose that. Um, it was specifically stuff that was going towards the bad side of this equation. Right. Of course, some of it might have been been used for good things, but the overwhelming thing was for bad. And if I was to let off that, that means much more stuff would have been going to bad than good. So it's and a that's why I was in favor of the book. Yeah, percentage. Yeah, it would be a percentage as well. For example, like let's say that there's ninety five percent right there. All right. Well, then I guess you're be. okay with China because most of the money that goes to China is I not am, going. I'm, let me be clear. I'm fine with China. I'm, I I am not for stopping trade with China. I am not some person. Well, wait a minute. That, that, are you saying Wait, the Uyghurs are not me, a, big, a big deal? Because the vast majority, number one, the vast majority of our trade does not go to whatever's going on in Xinjiang. That's a very okay. small part of China. So you, you have okay to agree with that. Yeah. And I'm not okay with it. I believe in a, um, what's it called? It's targeted policies. For example, Magnitsky sanctions. People don't know about this, but Magnitsky sanctions are a very different type of sanction, which it targets specific individuals involved yep. in stuff. That Heavily would be something to be now, more right? in favor of. Right? Bunch of a, a bunch um, in Russia now and some in we, China. We did some in Russia because it was named after yeah. a person who was and killed Turkey, in Russia. I think, too. We got some Turks too. Um, I think we also did some in Myanmar, specifically yeah. in response to recent stuff and the Rohingya genocide. So yeah. I want to – and the thing is, the big reason is I do believe trade can bring peace. This is something that we agree on. And if we stop trading with China, that means I think the likelihood of us breaking out into war or the likelihood of war breaking out over Taiwan increases because the amount of penalties of going to war decrease. That – because then you don't – it's very basic. Like if you're trading cocoa beans with somebody – and then you start shooting at them, then you don't got cocoa beans no more. They're not going to give you cocoa beans if you're shooting at them. It's a very simple policy. So that I would be more for targeted things like Magnitsky sanctions, for example.
Yeah, the, the only problem is once you start targeting individuals, they simply find other ways to make to make their money, right? What winds up happening in most of these sanctions is the bad guys still find their way to make their money anyway, right? Well, of Assad course, is doing just that. fine in Syria, right? Assad's that's, doing fine in Syria. That's Assad not really still he still's got he still has he has electricity 24/7. His people don't, but he has electricity 24/7. He's still a, rich. He's still eating the, good. Not to the, not okay. It's not to the same extent. There are there there have been reports of complaints from people placed on the Magnitsky sanctions who are really fucking pissed because they can't access their large amounts of wealth. And you know what? They can't buy that yacht they wanted. They can't Aww. buy that stuff they wanted. It's so sad yeah. that they can't buy the yacht that they were going to build out of the bones of killed Rohingya Muslims. But sadly, they can't anymore. And personally, that type of stuff with me is completely morally permissible. And there's no, and I know we're not going to be able to stop all of it. But if we can stop some of it or do anything that would be partially effective, then I think we should take that policy. It's, I'd rather stop some or most than none at all. Here is, I guess, where we disagree on the moral issue. And I say it in both cases. I don't think the government, and I'll use your border thing for this one. I don't think just because the government of a certain nation decides that you shouldn't spend your money or your time or your life on something that the government decides is wrong, that the government has any right to stop you. If I want to go fight and stop the Rohingya from being killed and I want to go fight there, I think the government should allow me to go. And if I want to fight to keep them abreast, the government should let me go. I can do what I want to do. It's my life, my body, my money. That's what I think is true. I don't, I don't see a moral thing there because here's the biggest piece. I don't trust Very the government. radical position. I don't trust the government to make the right winners and losers. I don't trust them to. I think they have a track record of failing. They have a track record of not picking the right ones. Again, I'll give you Hitler. Good choice. Yes, no worries. But we also were supporting Stalin because of Hitler. Oh, that got tough too. We've also supported terrible people like the Shah of Iran. We've supported lots of bad people also. I don't trust the government decision any more than I trust me or you. And that's my issue. I think we just disagree philosophically on that. I don't think the government has the right to tell me where I can spend my money or or my life or my energy or whatever it might be. So my thing is I um, I do believe the government. I, I am perfectly fine with the government putting certain regulations on what people can and can't do when it comes to stuff like this because I believe the effects of stopping these negative things are more positive than negative when you stop terrorists from going to these countries. We've already had the discussion. Um, I believe that violating of somebody's freedom – in this case, it would be freedom of movement and freedom mm-hmm. of what they want to do with their money. And these instances are perfectly morally permissible because I think they end up saving more lives, whether it be at concentration camps, whether it be from child sex trafficking, whether it be from terrorism or any of these things. If people want to go abroad and start participating in these things. Now, the one, the one moral hiccup, of course, is the idea that what if the government chooses a good thing? What if they choose something like you want to go overseas and support – I don't know, orphans getting puppies, something, something, some good thing. Right. And I would of course say that is, that is a folly of it, but there's also something I can do there. I can go there in a representative democracy and try to do my best to make it. So it isn't allowed. This has actually been an issue within Northeastern Syria is where there's a lot of fighters that have gone to Northeastern Syria to fight and they come back. And then the British government, for example, has given them a lot of harassment because they're trying to figure out due to the war zone that's over there, are these ISIS fighters? Are these this? Are sure. they that? And once Turkey, a NATO member, invaded northeastern Syria, once we backstabbed them, then it became a whole new dynamic because, wait, these are people now fighting a NATO member. And mm-hmm. it's a whole different dynamic. And I will agree it isn't a perfect model due to that. But being in a representative democracy, being able to advocate for that to change on the front hand 
and the amount of immediate attention that's been given to them have given these people a lot easier um what's the word uh has saved a lot of these people in these cases too because i believe people are generally good and that's something that i guess I makes agree. me i think people are generally good and if you have it. a representative democracy that is somewhat and some extent representative of the people they would be able to look at that situation to say these were people fighting against isis these are decent human beings and most of them have not gotten brutal prison sentences there have been certain instances but they have in comparison to an isis fighter have not gotten the same treatment so even when they do get caught up it's not to the same extent usually there are instances where it happens but i think the amount of good it does outweighs the harm when it comes to blocking terrorists from going to these i think in theory what you're saying isn't a bad thing in in theory you you would you're trying to make the world a better place and i and i buy it i i just don't see first off i don't think in, in the case of america i think very often that our representative democracy doesn't provide the services or the value that we think it does or that we think it should. I think it often doesn't. I think when it picks winners and losers, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. I don't think the track record is very good. I would feel better about it if I thought our track record was better. Our track record's not good at all. And we don't follow through. So we invade Iraq and then we screw it all up and we invade Afghanistan and we screw it all up and we invade this place and we screw it all up. So if we were actually, again, I, I fall back to the same thing. If we have what I believe was much more representative democracy and we would declare war with clear goals, I'd, I'd be more open to it, but that's not where we are. And my worry is if we have any type of air on the side of interventionism, we haven't changed the culture of our Congress or even of our nation to consider a declaration of war with actual victory conditions. That isn't a thing that we have anymore. Our culture is completely changed. Ours is bad thing, bomb it. That's where well, we are is, that's, now. Bad that thing, wanting a change, wanting a change in the culture, wanting a change when you you have said that you. Um, uh, under your moral framework and what's best for America, declaring war on Nazi Germany, it shows that there are instances where you think the United States should intervene. So it's yeah. not that you're a complete anti-interventionist. You just wanted a more a more limited specter than what it currently is. And severely you want the Congress limited. to have more severely. Obviously, we disagree on that limitations uh, with Myanmar, northeastern Syria, and stuff like that. So for me, it is just that I believe these instances end up helping more people that do if we were to do what we did in putting fear in the idea of invading Korea for me, I think it would have saved more lives because it could have avoided the Korean War and we could have had a more diplomatic option. I believe that Operation Harrisolve was a smashing success, and that um, what was the last one? So hold uh, on, hold on. Let me ask a question. Here, here's yeah. what I'll ask you. When question? it comes to World War II, I think it's crystal clear. You're correct, and I've said yes, I would have done that. The the outcome was clearly a better outcome. I think it's obvious, clearly better outcome. And of course, is it was it possible that Germany would have failed on its own and it would have been possible, but I think most logical people would accept better outcome. Absolutely. Can you say that about really, can you be comfortable in saying that about any other outcome yet at this point? Maybe Korea, but I'm not sure because you still got 30 million North Koreans in a worse spot. So I'm not even sure I'll buy Korea. For South Korea, yes, but that's half of that population. Well, not half. About 50 million uh, well, South Koreans. So I think that North Koreans kind of like World War II, well. though. Well, the thing is, somebody could easily say, well, 
we we sent guns to the Soviet Union, and under Stalin, they had hell. So, therefore, can we really say World War II? Somebody could say that. My thing is I think the good of eliminating Nazi Germany outweighs the bad. And so I no think doubt. the good of protecting South Korea or the good that would be of protecting Taiwan in a prospective invasion would outweigh the bad. Because, again, war and conflict is always going to be messy in an emotional conversation due to the fact that there's always going to be losers. There's yep. always going to be downfalls. It is a question of, for me, always, of doing a cost-benefit analysis on trying to protect the most lives, keep the most people safe with the highest standards of living, which uh, you can call it what you want, utilitarianism. Uh, you can call it uh, Burnsism. I don't really care. But that that's I like when it comes to Korea. I like that. Burnsism. It's, yeah, you know what? I, I got one of the last – it's Dylan Burns. I got one of those last names that would look, I think, I like decent on a, on a T-shirt maybe. If I believed that that was actually happening, if I thought people like you – who were thinking like that were actually in our halls of power, I would be more open to it. I don't believe that, that those are the people here. Are you running for something? Um, I can't say. Okay, so no. So, so but my, my point being, if I thought people who were thinking like you were actually in the halls of power, I would be far more open to this because I don't think you would have randomly invaded Iraq. I don't think you would have randomly invaded Afghanistan. I don't think you would have done those things. If I believed that people who were thinking the way you were thinking were in the halls of power, I'd be more open to it. But I haven't seen that my entire so life. Why don't we I have push not for that way of that thinking then? Then we should yes, push for that then way let's of thinking. Stop not interventionism, uh, interventionism until we have that deal. Wait, deal. But the thing is, wait, deal. I'm in. I can't, I can't shake that hand because there's, there's <laughs> operations right now in, in, in Northeast of Syria that are necessary to keep the people. This is the thing. Uh, you know what? I think I think we've I think we've uh, we've oh my god almost an hour and a half now, almost an hour and forty minutes. I think uh, we've reached reached that classic conclusion. Um, I won't give you a handshake, but I will give you a high five. There we go. I'll give high you one five. of those. There we go. There we go. Would you like to take uh, some questions from chat, or uh, do sure, you need to wrap happy it up? To do it. Okay. No, no, your, your, your people can beat me up. They want to beat me up. I'm sure. Yeah, my chat is a little bit more unruly than I am. There are a bunch mm. of bunch of hoodlums. They all do of beat you. me up Get often. I know. You're a very nice man, Larry Sharp. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, please post in chat if you have any questions. And at me, and I'll, and I'll ask them. There we go. Um, I have a couple from my chat. Mr. A sure. says, U.S. sanctions made Iran more anti-American. Most Syrians support Assad. Sanctions are a stupid idea. That's his response. Uh, first, I would like to say that sanctions, um, the point of sanctions aren't to make a people like you. Usually, that's not the point of sanctions. The point of sanctions should be seen as more to like achieve a foreign policy goal. For example, let's say let's say there was country A and they're invading country B. Mm-hmm. The reason you place sanctions on country A isn't to get the population to like you, is because you're angry because they're invading country B and you want to restrict their resources. So I don't really think the I when we talk about the sanctions which were placed under like the auspices of stopping them from getting a nuclear weapon, it wasn't sanctions placed to make the Iranian people like us. And most Syrians do not support Assad. Um, Assad is a, a brutal dictator, and you can't really be like, mm, "Do most like him?" When ha- when a huge population had to leave the country, and he's a like a dictator. Like, what are you going to do? Ask them? I mean, what was it? He won ninety five percent of the vote. I what remember a that. election! Oh what a yeah, remember election. That. Yes. The thing is, I I actually went through all the elections in, in Syrian history, 
And his father was fucking hilarious. Excuse my French. He was it was ninety it was ninety nine point eight. Next year it was ninety nine point nine, and then he just threw the whole thing out just at hundred percent. And that has been He's the trend. He's getting better continued. with age. He's getting better with age. In <laughs> one instance, I remember Bashar al Assad after his father died, he took power, and it was um there was a brutal crackdown on on the Kurds in uh, after a football game a thirty. They, there was protest because somebody like mocked the Kurds by praising uh, Saddam Hussein, who famously genocided the Kurds. And the forces came in with tanks, mowed down Kurdish protesters, tortured men, women, and children. And there was like a mini almost rebellion in northeastern Syria. And he somehow got a bigger share of the vote the next election. And according to it, would have won the majority of Kurdish votes. That is That is like saying that what is his name? The guy who said segregation forever oh, just yes, won ninety percent of the black vote. It doesn't make yes. any sense. George Wallace winning the black vote makes zero sense. So, but let me touch the Iran, uh, the Iran piece. I don't uh-huh. think the the sanctions have helped at all. I don't mm-hmm. think they've moved Iran in the right direction much at all. And in my gut, we've been doing these sanctions for about forty years now. I think if we had simply allowed them to just trade with us as normal for the last forty years. It is my opinion that we'd be better off. And why do I say that again? I go back to countries like Vietnam, countries like Poland, all countries that once you give them a couple of decades of American capitalist influence, they tend to decide, you know what? We don't really want nuclear weapons. We don't really want weapons of mass destruction. We're happy, you know, getting the newest, you know, CDs and movies and and video games and such. We're pretty happy with that. Let's just keep doing that. And I, so my argument, I don't know, if, I don't know, if, I don't know enough about Syria to know if that would have worked with Syria. I, I, I'm ignorant to that part, but I would say when it comes to Iran, it seems crystal clear. If you meet people who've come from Iran, and I've met many of them here in New York, many of them, dozens, if not more, many more in California, the individual people who are born in Iran and come here, they love America and Americans. They hate our government. Yeah. But they love our music, that, that they is, love our that, culture. I will say that is true. The thing yes. is a lot of but the problem is, I gotta say, it the the um they the protests in Iran are not doing uh making Fox News work hard enough. When you're burning American flags and stepping on that stuff and saying death to America, yeah, then you don't include the second part where they say, Well, when I say death to America, what I mean is that the American government is done da, 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 da. Like, that's not what happens. That's right. you're giving you're like delivering the propaganda and they're the Iranian government has been giving Fox News propaganda for for years on continuing a lot of these policies. So. But um, one second, I'm reading a question from chat. Go ahead, please. I have okay. more here in mind. Got it. Hypothetically, if Larry was president and Pakistan was about to start a nuclear war, how would he de-escalate? Well, I I think we've we've made an error here. It's gonna be, I'm gonna go a little off topic, but I get I hope you you'll see where I'm coming with this. Sure. In Cold War One, which I say was U.S. versus USSR, the weapon of mass destruction was the nuclear weapons, was nuclear weapons. And we fought most of our battles between the Soviet Union, either as proxy wars with China as, as a as a junior partner or proxy wars against even Russia. Sometimes depends on where it was. And most of our actual battles against each other was, was espionage. Now, when you look at the second Cold War, which is China now the senior partner and the Soviet Union or Russia being the junior partner. The most of our proxy wars now are fought against Russia, like in Syria or in uh, Ukraine or something like that. And we fight heavily against China and the weapon of mass destruction is not nuclear anymore. It's cyber. And most of our day to day battles are economic, not espionage. 
So we've changed how we're fighting Cold War II. With that in mind, we have to have much more powerful cyber uh, attack ability to de-escalate. Because once you, cyber is, the, is, in my view, the new weapon of mass destruction that can actually stop wars. Why? You're, I'm getting ready to send my troops across the border. Cyber attack and shut down a grid. You can shut down a grid. That's going to be a tough offense right there. You're not getting your tanks. You're not getting your trucks. You're not getting your stuff there. It stops a whole lot. So I think we should focus on that. However, if I believed that Pakistan was going to start a nuclear war with India, I would hope they wouldn't because that's a nuclear exchange is going to devastate everybody. I would hope we'd have enough of a presence in Pakistan and influence in Pakistan that we can convince them to not do it. I would hope. But say I'm wrong. And they're like, we hate India and we're afraid they're going to fight in Punjab. So we want to nuke them for whatever reason. If I could stop them through economic sanctions for that, I would because that's mass destruction. That I would. I would try to if I could. But would I want to send our troops in there to die in a nuclear war? No. No. And if I did sanctions or something like that, they'd be grossly targeted and grossly temporary. Just go, guys, if you drop those nukes, we're not going to help you rebuild. When the, when the Indians blow you up in return, we're only helping India. We're not helping you at all. You're going to sit there and starve to death. We're only helping India. I would do something like that if I could. I would really hope we have a world where people aren't going to be doing localized nuclear exchanges. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. I hope it won't happen. Okay. Uh, here's, here's a question for you. If someone freely chooses to support a side involved in a genocide, what happens? Oh, one second. I'm getting a call. What, uh, what happens when they come back stateside? How could we convince the affected minority stateside to feel safe? Um, if someone actually went over and committed war crimes, the person would still be a criminal. I just wouldn't stop them from leaving. When they came back, they'd still be a criminal. They committed war crimes. So they still, they're still a criminal. But well, I'm under your model, like some, if somebody goes, so you wouldn't stop them from going and doing it, but once they get back, you would. What yeah, if we it, knew they were going to go do it? What if we knew they were going to go over there, join an organization, going to do it? How do you know they're going to go do it? If they're, if they're going to join ISIS, do, do yeah. we really have this idea, like an organization that its whole model is perpetuated on war crimes? Is it really that much of a jump to be like, you are going to join this organization to go do terrorism? I see your, your bomb vest right there. And this is a hard one, but it's based upon the American way and what our criminal justice system is supposed to be. You don't arrest people unless you're sure they did it or going to do it. That's how we, that, we don't do it anymore. But we were built upon the idea that I would rather have a guilty man go free than an innocent man be imprisoned. That's what we were built upon. And I still believe that. I still believe that you have rights. And you know what has happened in the past? And you, again, I used to be in counterintelligence in the Marine Corps for a little bit. And what does happen sometimes is these kids go over there and think they're going to do stuff and they back out and they find themselves in no man's land because they can't come back to America, but they can't go there. And they find themselves in no man's because they realize, holy crap, this is not like the video I saw. This is not like YouTube. That happens more often than you would imagine. If you, anyone who's interested, do some homework on that. It's very simple to do. It's very simple Google searches. And you'll find there are people get stuck in no man's land. So now what do you do? And they're stateless you don't, actually. Usually. Yes, they become stateless individuals. And what I'm saying, go. And I hope it's wrong. And if, why can't we use the bully pulpit to go, my, if, if you want to go and fight in the Taliban, you can go. But my God, look at what you're doing. It's not as cool. And if you screw up, tell us. We'll take you back if you realize you screwed up. Way better than just, 
Now we're going to put you in jail, and now now we're going to pay for this person to stay in jail to become a worse terrorist. I'll pass. Well, the thing is, if we the containment of them would end up saving more lives, the containment of these people, because if we are sending, if the generally, if you go overseas to fight with ISIS, you're going to be committing more crimes. It would be like if so, if we find out that somebody is going to a house to to where there's a bunch of child sex slaves. We're under the auspices of they're going there to go do this, right? That's why there's intent to commit a crime is a thing. If you're going to go do something, we, we arrest you and you're like, okay, yeah. Like if I'm going over to a house to go to go kill my neighbor because he stole my cat or something, right? I could be arrested and thrown in jail for that. I view going to join a terrorist organization in the same way. You are going over there to intend to go commit war crimes, to go kill people, to go slaughter, rape, and enslave, which are all things that should put you behind bars basically for the rest of your life there's almost no way to to um to come back from that so you're telling me if i'm an 18 year old kid 19 which is a common age i'm lost as a teenager a young boy i've been watching these videos maybe i'm muslim and i've been picked on and i feel like i can go over there and be a tough guy and be a powerful guy and i decide to i'm gonna go over to isis now and really when i get there i i wouldn't have done anything or maybe i would have we don't know but that's what i believe i believe that this is my mm -hmm. way out I'll teach you guys this. I'll show you how cool I am because I'm an 18-year-old kid. You think the right answer is life imprisonment for that kid? Not necessarily wow. in all cases. I said, wait, no, listen, listen. Wow. I said, not, okay, okay, wow twice. It's two wows. You can throw a third one. Throw a third one out there. I'm good with one two. Wow. That was a double okay, wow. That's two. it. It was a two. That's double wow. I got to get a triple wow of you. So the thing is, I said that because most likely if you are somebody who's a dedicated person going over to join a terrorist group, it is very – de-radicalization is a very difficult game. Most okay. likely you would end up being life in prison, not because I believe it's completely impossible to come back from that in all cases, but most likely. I said it as – I didn't say it as a policy, more oh, as okay. like – more to, because if we ask you and like, so are you done? I will continue to jihad white when you let me out. Well, then you're staying in here. That's what I meant. If it's some 18-year-old confused kid and we have found ourselves to de sexfully, successfully de-radicalize them, then of course, I believe in a rehabilitative justice system. I want a, court, a criminal justice system where they get in there and it's not just like a revenge-based system. That's why I'm against the death penalty. 100%. Because also because of the amount of uh, innocent people have been killed by the death penalty. The amount of uh, how it's disproportionate to black communities, to white communities. I don't even... trust the government. The thing, the thing is, for me, it's just it also doesn't work. The death penalty mm -hmm. has not been shown at all to de disincentivize crime. And there's a Correct. lot of studies in Japan showing this fact to just be 100 percent true. If you look at states that have the death penalty compared to what states that don't have the death penalty, if you don't have it, you tend to usually have lower crime. And this is true across nation states. But that that's a little tangent. But yeah, no, if if we could rehabilitate them, but I see it in the similar way as the intent to commit a crime. If somebody goes overseas, like if I went over to your house to go uh, murder, uh, murder your dog, I'd be arrested with the intent to go do that. It's the same way joining a terrorist organization. No, no, I, but you're you're joining an organization. So, so Adam just brings up so so if you join a bikers club, you should go to yep. jail. A criminal biker club? Like what type of bikers club? Yeah, that you, that that we know oh, that they do criminal like stuff. Two percent or whatever they call it. Right? They they, um, they they do criminal stuff. So you should just you should just be arrested. I mean, you have. To I have could some I could intent. see so I could I could see certain I could see certain scenarios where that's where that could be mm -hmm. the case. I don't know necessarily about a bikers club because I think the what the, about the clan? Wait, what if you're a finish. clan member? 
Should you be a racist? I, would, I, don't, I don't know enough about the modern clan. Is it is it them they're going in and just do racist cookouts or are they gonna go commit a lynching? If they're gonna go if the organization participates in lynching still, then I I could I could see a scenario with that. Yeah. I think in a long for example, the first clan hundred so percent the clan members. Alright. It, it depends on what okay. Let me let me okay. put it this way. The first version of the Ku Klux Klan was literally just a terrorist organization. Yes, so correct. What they went is walk through neighborhoods and lynch people. That's yes. what they did. Then there was different versions of the clan. I don't know enough about the modern clan to make a determination if they're still acting in a terrorist manner or still doing terror attacks. I'm I'm not all that deep in clan lore. All I'm not I'm a clan historian. What that means is now you've got to have the FBI deciding whether someone is a member of a group. That's yes. what you figure out. Did they? Yes. And what if? And what if they don't have like online pay your dues? Right? They don't have that. Well, if you so don't, no if you don't, have, if you don't have enough evidence, then obviously you don't talk about somebody. You all. If, How if there's do you not have enough evidence? evidence convict, you don't. Are you? Hold on, but let's be realistic here. I'm not 18 year old kid. It's a 19 year old kid. I'm getting on a plane to yes. go to. I'm trying to go to ISIS, but I can't go there. So I'm going through, say, maybe Ethiopia first or something like that. And yeah. you see them going to Ethiopia, right? And I put on my Facebook page. Guys, I'm out of here. I think ISIS is cool. I do that, right? Is that enough to put that kid in prison? No, I don't think so. Of course not. That's the thing how, is, if we don't yeah. wait, 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 if we don't have enough evidence, yeah. then we don't throw them in prison. My thing would be if we have evidence of well, it looks like they just bought a plane ticket to Turkey, which was the main route for people. Sure. And hey, they're talking to an ISIS recruiter, and they just told this ISIS recruiter, "I'm going to ISIS to go go kill civilians." Woohoo! And then. They have a bunch of ISIS propaganda in their household. You combine all these facts together, and it's like, yeah, this is most certainly enough to convince somebody it. going to join a terrorist. But how do you get that stuff? You get that I stuff through it. doing. You get that stuff by doing uh, sting operations, for example. Yeah, you do, and FISA courts, which always say yes, and 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 destroying our privacy and doing all the crap that I can't stand. Yeah, none of that. That's a terrible idea because all the other people pay the price for that. There's one clear. ISIS guy. And I, the rest I do of us prioritize the privacy, for. and I do believe if the if the thing is, I believe that if we let's for example, there is certain ways you can get warrants for stuff like this. There, there's ways I believe in a yeah, civilized society ask for it. You get one. That's how it works in America. Just I believe that there, I believe that there, there should be a warrant that you get to go investigate whether somebody's going terrorism. Like somebody goes to the police and says, "Hey, this guy told me he was going to join ISIS." Um, here's a picture he sent me of him with like some weird like terror stuff. Then you get a warrant. Then you investigate. I'm not I'm not in favor of the like police state looking into every I, home. But all I'm saying is that if we have evidence that someone's going to go overseas to join a terrorist group to blow stuff up, go kill people, go slaughter, go rape, murder, and kill, that Dylan, we should stop them what, from doing that. That's intent to commit a crime. What country do you live in? You live in America with me, right? Live in the United States, of course. Yeah, like me. That's that's like a fantasy. Here's what happens. They then create a special FBI anti-ISIS unit. That well, unit I thought we were talking about on. our policies, not Republican that, policies. Not, not, I no, thought no, we were no. talking about what Democrats we wanted. Democrats, too. That, but yeah, Democrats, Republican, is, anyone. But I'm talking about yes. me, Dylan Burns. Yeah, but that's not. But I'm saying it doesn't work in reality. What, what actually – why I'm against it is not because of the theory. I think theoretically that makes some sense. But in reality what happens is the FBI now has this new unit. It has to validate itself. So if there aren't enough ISIS people, they literally create sting operations to make them. That's that's I'm not making that up. That actually happens. And then yes, they say, and I want like, to stop that. And I want I say that's bad. I can say that's bad and still want to continue the bad stopping stuff. ISIS fighters from going there. I can still want to again. I can still want to continue good operations to stop 
terrorists from going to Syria to go murder and slaughter, while also trying to respect people's privacy to a certain extent. I don't know how you do that. You were teasing me about being kind of fantasy. I don't, how do you, how do you in today's world? I'll go back to this. We, used, we did it before 2001, before the Patriot Act. We used to do that before. We still were able to do that before. As, for I, example, no, we, 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 we had immigration. We had immigration policy yep. before ICE existed. Yep. The same thing. We were able to bust terrorists before we started opening up the laws on exactly how easy it was going to be to get this information. So when you say it's fantasy land, not really. It's like 30 years ago for a lot of this. And the Patriot Act and we can talk. Well, we can – okay. Let, you know what? And I agree on that. We can, we can agree. You know what? Let's just end it there. We agree on ending the Patriot Act. Yes, 100%. End or I'll make a time talk. machine. We'll go back to, to 1990. That would Let's work go too. to – I don't know what this um, – I don't know much about this, but what would Larry have done against Monsanto? As in, as in the, I, the company? Yeah, I believe the company. I'm supposed to do something. I'm, I'm, that's a, I don't a know. Wrong I thought question. maybe you would have a. Um, no, I'm, no. Monsanto is a. It's way. I, I believe, if I understand what the question is, he's talking about basically the idea that Monsanto is doing many things. I mean, that's that's a seriously broad question. Um, yeah. Monsanto is basically a monopoly. It is basically trying to create. Uh, it's basically getting um, intellectual property on life. I mean, it's doing all. I'm so much stuff. I mean, Monsanto. I am. Let me be very generic. I am anti-monopoly, and we should have more policies that break up monopolies and oligarchies. So I want, I don't want to necessarily attack the Davids as much as I want. I'm sorry, attack the Goliaths as well as as much as I want to grow more Davids to compete effectively against them. So I know that was a generic answer, but it was kind of a generic question. I hope I at least I understand the wrongdoings of Monsanto, and I would have done something to try to adjust that. I hope that's helpful. Okay. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I have more questions if you want them. Yeah. Um, one of my guys says, what about the Juggalos being considered a criminal gang? Huh. Well, I, of course, I disagree with that. Um, but I will say they should be thrown in prison due to how bad that music was. That music was <laughs> terrible, and it was a crime against humanity, and I'm sorry. Just, my hands are tied here. My hands I, are tied. I, I would you that. would you support intervention against uh, Juggalo music making? Like, should we bust up their music production due to how terrible it was? I mean, I mean, this is a real test of libertarian values. People get to listen to what they want to listen to. Wow, wow, that's See, it. He's pro. He's pro Juggalo. He's I pro am. Juggalo. I'm. I'm pro. Enjoy yourself. Whatever it is. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's see. Can you ask the following? And I don't know if you think this, but maybe they know more about you than I do. If you think taxation is theft, in I that don't. case, you don't? Okay. Well, the question's pointless. I don't. Yeah, I know. I know many libertarians do. Uh, my tax question was teasing you because of what you were saying, but I do not think Got taxation it. is theft. At worst, it. it's extortion. Can you can you explain to me why you don't think it's theft? I'm actually sure. interested. Sure. Yeah, no, um, because it's because it's consent, right? I mean, the vast majority of Americans agree with taxation. The vast majority do. In fact, if you do any type of polling or surveys, you will find that there's only a small chunk. There's a small chunk of Americans who think we're not taxed enough. Um, most think you're taxed about right. Some think they're not. They're, they're taxed too much. But it's a very small percentage who think taxation is wrong or illegal or that very very few, which means Americans consent to taxation. If you consent, 
there's no theft by default. You're consenting to it. So most Americans do consent. Secondly, they don't just take the money. They do give us something for it. They give us a crappy war on drugs. They bomb people for it. They make a prison industrial complex. They do a military industrial complex. They give us a whole bunch of terrible stuff. So at worst, you could say it's extortion. It's it's the mob coming to you and going, don't you want to buy these shoes from me? And they give you shoes, you take the money. So it's maybe extortion, but it's not that. Okay. Uh, the next one is, how would Larry combat climate change? Then we can probably like start wrapping it up. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I think the, the number one way I would think that you could really affect climate change would be for the government to do some type of X game for some big change. And I'm giving you some examples. I mean, you could pick the one you want, but say for example, a big change in um, um, desalinization plants, something like that, right? So you you could begin to get fresh water from seawater because if you have unlimited water, you by default have unlimited power, right? So you could change our power structure completely, something like that. Or maybe the idea of um, putting more emphasis on uh, laboratory meat so that we could stop so much of the farming and deforestation. Big things are what I think will help. The small things we're doing only punish the little guy, like banning straws and, and conservation. Times Square still you know, drops a bazillion you know, gar- pieces of garbage every uh, New Year's and the lights are on all night long, 27 24 seven. So the big companies still spend all the money and time and energy they want. We're just punishing the little guy. I, if, if government's going to do something, it's got to be to affect some big change in some way. So how would that be? Would that be through subsidies to private corporations to do research into these, these things, or would it be through infrastructure plans like the Biden administration's doing? Or I like it similar. I like it similar to how we did the vaccine, something like a guaranteed government purchase once it makes it happen. Right. So that now they can get loans because they know if it works, then there's, a, there's an automatic order, right? So something like that, or maybe um, a certain amount of intellectual property that you normally wouldn't give, right? If say for example is on meat, and you would fight the idea of you know you can't have intellectual property on life, and that might be a problem. You make an exception and get them three years IP, or something like that, right? I think that's how you do it. You have the government something the government can enforce or purchase, and you make an incentive to where they can get their own loans, where people would happily do it, and I think it worked relatively well in the vaccines. You what do you think like of that. carbon fees? I think carbon fees would just assume there'll be a black market and a stock market in carbon. That's what will happen. And again, big companies will buy them all up and little people will have nothing. I think okay. it fails. I think I think it fails. The idea sounds good, but once you give that to, to the finance industry, the finance industry will absolutely find a way to monetize that, to commoditize that, to, to wrap that up in some type of deri- derivative and that'll be on the market and they'll be buying and selling and there'll be all types of stuff. And the little guy gets hammered and the big guy wins. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on my, uh, my show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, your community has been very nice to me. They've been very kind and I appreciate uh, you coming on today. If you want Absolutely. to give yourself a shout out, uh, you're perfectly able to guys. If you guys want to watch what I'm doing, you can check me out almost every night at 7 PM on the sharp way It's YouTube. It's Twitter. It's Facebook, whatever you're on. You guys are young, so you don't watch Facebook. But whatever, Twitter or YouTube or whatever you watch, it's I all good. I can't use it. I yes. can't. Every time I open it, I, 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 I feel naturally just repulsed. Absolutely. So you can watch it on YouTube when you can watch it there. And I've done many different things. Um, for those of you who care, I was on Joe Rogan when I ran for office. 
I was on Dave Rubin. I was on Glenn Beck. These are interviews. You can see a lot of my policies are there. And you go to thesharpway.com. I'm also coming out with a book on happiness, on happiness next month. So if you want to look at that book, that is going to be coming out next month at thesharpway.com. Yep. You have a blessed one, okay? You have a good one. Thank you, my friend. Have a good one. You too. Thank you.